communicating. That's good. It's not all filtered through a knob. Who wants to put things in your brain? <laughs> not in a conspiracy way. Literally, that's his business plan. Six million dollar man greased the way to cyborgism. <laughs> Made it look pretty good. Yes. You get to meet nice cyborg ladies. Sure. Uh, they've got cyborg dogs. No cyborg children, though. It really ends pretty soon. Yeah, do they do they ever have a baby? I don't think so. Okay. I know they got married, so it'd be very weird if they wouldn't have a baby. Didn't she die? What? Didn't she die as part of the storyline? What? I thought that's what happened to her, Bionic Woman. There's the Bionic... What, when? When? When are you talking about? I don't know. Well, when do you think she died? Like, what? I thought that was one of the storylines that she was... Maybe she was sick and then she didn't die. I don't know. It seems to me, it seems to me there was some sort of storyline where she was sick or something. Okay. Hey, man, it's been a while. I watched that when I was in grade five or something. Grade four, probably. Okay. All right. One second. got to look this up. I have but the vaguest memories of, of everything that's ever happened. Vague, vague, vague memories. Bionic Ever After was the movie. Okay. Let me see how it ends. With her dead? That's right. Lying on the ground. Except for her leg. It's propped up. It's using to prop up a table. No, it ends with them married. No. No one's, no one's dead. They're fine. She never died. Well, I don't know. In life, you know. No, no. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The character. Okay, wait. Jamie Summers. It's the third and final reunion movie. Yeah. So, yeah, she's fine. Okay. As to continuity. Stop killing her off. What's wrong with you? Ah. Although Jamie supposedly dies at the end of the two-part episode... The female character proved so popular, she was brought back to life in her mm. own spin-off, The Bionic yeah. Woman. Okay, very good. So that's, so I'm, we're both right. This is the, the, the deathless element of a character that can never be killed. Did, yeah, so she faked her death, was she, the idea? No, she does die. Oh. In the, in the Bionic Man two-part episode. Right. But then. In the continuity, in she the continuity, fakes her death. No, no, they just. Just ignored it and brought her back. Like, just brought back the character in the in this a separate thing as the Bionic Woman. Okay. Because I don't think Lee Majors was a guest star in that show. So yeah. I guess you could, like, argue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd show up on that show. Really? I don't remember yeah. that. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then just what I told you now, uh, Bionic Ever After, they get But that's, married. like, the later movies that yeah. aren't part of the original continuity. Yeah. Well, it was the continuity was she would also work with Oscar Goldman. Hmm. So it's in the Bionic universe. But she died. Okay. I remember it. It's very sad. <laughs> we can discuss it on the air. So long, Bionic Woman. We hardly knew ye. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> <laughs> is it you? Is it me? Mm -hmm. Me? 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 everyone, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm trying to add a lot of excitement to my voice because I'm a little bit tired this week. Had a busy, busy week, so I'm going to just like pretend to have enthusiasm. Same. And excitement. Yeah. Same, yeah. I'm, I'm running on like about 25% as well. Yeah, yeah. So enjoy the show, everyone. <laughs> we'll try our best. Dave tried to kill off the bionic woman before the show. 
I did not try and kill her off. You're like, she's gonna, dead. And I'm, I'm like, wait that, a minute. I'm going to put that conversation at the beginning of the show. When did she uh, When did she die? And he was like, uh, at the end of the episodes where Six Million Dollar Man, where she's introduced. Yeah. I'm like, but then she had a TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's dead. So she was also a ghost? Because if that is the case, <laughs> if she was the bionic woman, and then in brackets, and also a ghost, that is a much better show. Yeah, you can show me the Google thing. Yeah, if you I just, want. I'm just saying. Like, she must have. Fa- in my memory of the show, she does die, but obviously, right because of ratings, they said Ixnay on the F day. Yeah, yeah, good. Bring her back. Good. Uh, her back for her own show, but it wasn't the the actual Bionic Woman show was pretty short lived. Oh no, two years. That's not bad. Yeah, uh, enough that she also had a Bionic Dog. It was a spin off <laughs> of a spin off almost. Was there a Bionic Dog spinoff? Well, I think they were really trying to do it. Are you mixing it up with the Littlest Hobo? I'm not. I'm not mixing it up with Run Joe Run or Rin Tin Tin or Lassie. The Littlest Hobionic. Well, okay. He we did, know. The Littlest Hobo didn't have to be Bionic because he was genetically enhanced. Genetically enhanced. He was a yeah. mut- mutant. Mm, no. Mutant. Mu- well, I guess they mutated his genes, sure. But in a later episode of the bio- of the uh, Littlest Hobo, they did mention that Hobo, because Littlest Hobo is a character who we in Canada know because he was around in an 80s TV show. But he previously was in a 60s TV show. Yeah. But previous to that, he was in uh, movies. Uh, and the idea that they tried to push in the TV show in the 80s later uh, for one episode, crazy episode, was it was the same Hobo from the 60s. Okay. And they were trying to Doctor Who it and just go, everything is, all <laughs> continuity is valid. And it was like he was a genetically altered dog. And so he was like close to immortal, mm. which is why he's so smart. Yeah. Because he's been around for so long and knows so much. And also why he can't hang around in a town because people would go, that dog's never dying. That dog's been around for 25 years. And then uh, they'd suspect something. The people who lived across the street from us, the Moros... His friend was the trainer of the little, the littlest, or little how, hobo. Oh, that's very cool. How many, how many of them were there in the house? I don't. Let's say two. Well, two morrows. Two morrows. The, two morrows. They were, and you love two those morrows. two morrows because they're only one house away. They're just across the street. Two morrows. Yeah, they're just the two morrows. A step away. Yeah, the morrows. Uh, <laughs> two morrows. I never got to meet the dog, so really it was meaningless that they had a friend to train. The little hobo, because the guy never came around with a little hobo, so who cares? And there was five hobos, so did he, did he train all the hobos? I guess he trained all the hobos, yeah. He was a dog trainer. And all the hobos were named? Hobo. London. Can. Hoboken. No. Nope. London. Nope. They all named Ontario. London. <laughs> I remember I was at... Uh, uh, all of them were named London? Well, that's what it said that's at the end. At the end of the show oh, was okay. London as the littlest hobo. I wonder if... Someone who was like very knowledgeable about dogs and dog breeds and stuff, kind of like Lisa, with her knowledge about horses, could like watch a show and go like, "Oh, that's a different dog doing that." Bit, oh, and that's a different dog. Doing yes, that bit. because uh, the different dogs do different things. Like, mm-hmm. there's a jumping dog. There's a dog who's like a good close-up acting dog. <laughs> there's dogs that do you know long could runs. Could really emote. Uh, but I do remember uh, going to a taping. It was I can't remember if it was Alan Thick. Or Don Heron, but it was one of those shows, and they brought the five hobos on, and yeah, they all do different uh, stuff. Mm. Talking, I, about, talking about mutants, I was talking about it, but it made me think right. of I was listening to an interview with a person, and he was talk, he was mentioning the word mutant during his talk, and he said mutant, mutant, which I thought was interesting mm. that he softened the T so much. Mm. 
then I was thinking, do we say mutant or do we like completely swallow the T on this side of Canadian continent? I'd say mutant. We kind of go mutant. We kind of mutant. I think that's what we do. We kind of lose the T entirely. I go from, you know, what I've heard people talk about when they talk about the X-Men. Yeah. It's like, they're mutants who are feared, hated by yeah. society, and yet protect the world. We Yeah. So he's kind of close to where we're going, where we've gone. He's getting there. Yeah. And then he's softened it to a D, and pretty soon he'll just turn it into like a kind of a, just a, a pause or something in the mute, mutant. mutant. So we, don't, we don't really pronounce the T, is what I'm saying, which is uh, us. That's us all over. On this side of the country, anyway. You're not wrong. We tend to soften everything to nothing. All our words become meaningless. That's why uh, people from the East have a hard time understanding us Westerners. Not just philosophically. Let's forget about Alberta. No one understands that place philosophically. But, uh, you know, the East look at us and they're like, like, we don't even know what they're talking about half the time. I was, I was listening, real quick, I was listening to uh, Never Not Funny. Cliff Nesteroff was on Mm. and was talking about... um, Who's the host of Never Not Funny? Jimmy Pardo. Oh, that's right. And uh, and Cliff was talking about uh, going to a party, I think at Rob Reiner's house or something. Okay. And uh, there was like five of them them there, and uh, Albert Brooks was one of them. And wow. Albert Brooks was just telling him stories after stories after stories, <laughs> and he was just loving, loving to talk to him. And at one point, he yeah. said to him, you know, you're from Canada, right? Yeah. And it's like, what's the terrible place there? What's that called again? And... And I had I had it in my head yeah. what it was. Okay, it's like you know that terrible city. It's terrible. Yeah. And he's like, "Well, there's a lot of city. You know, one the terrible one. Yeah, Toronto. And no, no. <laughs> it was Calgary. Oh, really? Yeah, that was my first guess too. It was like Calgary. Yeah, they all wear cowboy hats, and it's just oh, it's just wow, it's just terrible. Canada's fastest growing city. Mm, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Good. You can grow fast in I the doubt, other in the other direction. I doubt that it's uh, much like that now. Pro- I mean, maybe it is, but I would think that that sort of element of it has been watered down. It was my first guess, though, when he said, oh. "Like you know, that terrible city in oh. Canada, Calgary." Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, and like again, there's worse cities for sure. I mean, in terms of like, what what are we thinking of? Like, Regina's could, worse. Regina is the much city worse. that rhymes with fun is worse than Calgary. Yeah, I don't know about that. What about Saskatoon then? Oh, that's nice. It's a nice city. <laughs> but Regina's yeah, I had a good. T- I had a good time in Saskatoon. Yeah, okay. nice artsy city, fire fun. Mm, Regina, the, Jesus Christ! River? Regina was like a long walk everywhere, and every walk felt like it was going to tear your skin off. Mm. And then you know we do shows there, and they'd be way underground, so far underground, and they'd be these <laughs> steep, crazy staircases huh. to get there. And then yeah. they'd uh, they'd make them wheelchair accessible by putting a plank on these steep stair cases <laughs> that in no way could you know that's not too safe not at all did ridiculous a, at least a rope to control the speed i don't know how they fucking did it mm. i don't know how there wasn't a pile up of old people in wheelchairs <laughs> at the very bottom of everywhere but like yeah you'd go like you'd be walking way underground to get away because it's like crazy cold up 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 top so the, yeah yeah know. well that's i was gonna say there's a reason for why they want to be deep in the ground because calgary is the same calgary is like and I guess Toronto has that too. Like Edmonton, the, yeah, the, they've the got a lot of uh, the underground mall is like you know, or the underground yep. city is a big part of Calgary. There's a lot of tunnels. Same everywhere. with Edmonton, yeah. And same with Edmonton. Same with Toronto. Same with Winnipeg. I imagine I haven't been there, but, but there you go. Winnipeg, I like to like. I'm choosy. Winnipeg, I went in the summer, and again, I'm complaining about the weather, mm. where I would have an umbrella, and uh, I would still be soaking wet. Like the underside of my uh, chin would be soaking wet. 
like the the rain would like blow down and then upwards and like hit you like it was giving you like an uppercut. Wow. Yeah, ridiculous. And then turn turn your head and meet the mosquitoes. <laughs> yes, that's something that I don't. I mean, we have mosquitoes here, obviously, but we don't have mosquitoes. We don't. Yes, we don't live in a, under a blanket of them. I used to. Uh, I used to live with someone whose sister was a teacher in northern Manitoba, and mm-hmm. they would just shut the town down in the summertime because too many mosquitoes. Yeah. You can't. No one can function. And it's like, well, then don't make that a town. <laughs> That's a non-town. I guess unless you can get the glass dome working. I guess resource oh. resource extraction uh, over overruns all other problems. So so you're just like, there's a lot of mosquitoes, but there's nickel mines. Right. So, but what's nickel when you have no blood? <laughs> the fat cats don't care about that. Mm-hmm. They have they have extra blood. They have extra. They have blood on hand. They own the mosquitoes. And by the way, it's not just mosquitoes. You get you got a nice black bunch flies. of black flies as well. Yeah. And that song and ain't lying. Ticks as well are very uh, prevalent in Manitoba. You get it all all over the place. You're in your legs, on your arms, biting your around your your head. Yep. I mean, we're painting a great picture of a place that a lot of people live in and love. So it's, sure they do. You know, because they don't know any different. They love it, and they also leave it. They leave it for the summertime. They love it and leave it. I, it to me, like that, that would be an interesting uh, idea for a movie. Is uh, set set in a town mm. that's mosquito abandoned. <laughs> like it's so full I of. I can't mosquitoes. imagine it's completely abandoned. That doesn't make any sense. But I'm sure it's. Uh, well, you can't go outside. Like it's just you're just breathing in mosquitoes. It's ridiculous. Mm. You can only take so many mosquitoes before there's trouble. Like, you can only take so many bites. Really? I think so, yeah. Hmm. I mean, well, not, because when you I get... Okay, when you, diseases, you've but... had a mosquito bite, right? Yeah. Obviously. So, okay, now... the reason didn't really affect me, but... What's that? They didn't really affect me very much. So. Oh, you don't scratch? No. They don't get itchy? It doesn't get itchy, no. I don't get a welt or anything. How? I don't know. My mom's terrible. My mom, if a mom gets a mosquito bite, she'll get like a big, like, looks like she got a black eye sometimes. Okay. Well, but I don't get any effect from it. Oh, maybe you're part mosquito. I am. I don't know. This isn't. I guess I don't have the, I'm not allergic to the bite. Yeah. Okay. Well, the majority. you're of, reacting to, I think they have like an anticoagulant. That's correct. Yeah. You, so that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like most people are allergic to mosquitoes, which mm. is why you get the bite. So now imagine 10,000 mosquitoes are coming at you. Yeah. And they're all taking a bite. One mosquito, no big deal. Two mm-hmm. mosquitoes, annoying. Sure. Uh, 10 mosquitoes, really annoying. 10,000 mosquitoes, I think you're going to the hospital. Because you've got a <laughs> lot of stuff you're allergic to now. Sure. I, um, Unless you're you. Like, to me, what you're telling me is yeah. this would be the town for you. A I, guy no, who doesn't I, get <laughs> bitten by mosquitoes. I have, no, I have no desire to be in a place where be- mosquitoes are biting people. But yeah, it's... Uh, but you could I, go there yeah, and, like... I'm not a favorite. Actually, mosquitoes don't, like, really like to bite me very much either. Okay. If there's other people around, they'll they'll gravitate towards them and leave me alone. I'm just terrible at a party, and the mosquitoes recognize that. Right. They know. This guy's no fun. Also, you, he's not going to even scratch after we bite him. What's the point of this? Are you going to mosquito parties? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, mosquitoes are going to mosquito parties. True. I do remember uh, uh, going up northern BC just when the mosquitoes were kind of having their big hatch hatch okay. off. Yeah, and uh, and that's and I was with a comedian. Uh, I'll say his name, Billy Mitchell. Why not? Sure, I'll say his name. He was a fine comedian and uh, still is a fine man and is naked on some book about masculinity um, oh. cover. Good for him. Yes. Yeah. Proud and 
Whatever, loud and proud. Yeah, if you want to see him naked, he's on a book. In most bookstores, <laughs> it's a very popular book. Uh, any hobbity who. Uh, so we go up north. And the lettering he, is covering up some some of the... No, you can see some wang. Alia. Oh, really? Yeah, you can see a bit of wang. Wow. Um, so you go, so you, I go up north with him. He gets a fishing license. I've never seen anyone get one of those before. Mm-hmm. Uh, gets a fishing license, goes over to the pond, and uh, it's bananas. Because, like, <laughs> the mosquitoes are hatching, so okay. the, all the fish are just jumping out of the water yeah, they're just yeah. crazy okay. like going nuts to where honestly i went like well why don't we just grab a fish like i can grab a fish right now it's it's right there i can just go put my hand out yeah. i'll catch one i was like you can't legally do that like oh. well huh. why why can a bear and i can't <laughs> and so he he did his fishing and it went fine and then we went to the hotel room and he cooked a fish in the hotel room oh really yeah that's a bad that's a bad roommate it's not great. Uh, one thing, he covered up the fire alarm. Okay. Okay. He put like a little bowl sure. up there and with masking tape, covered it up. Wow. Then he had... <laughs> it's a pro. He had a little, uh, I don't know, it was a sterno thing or what have you. Okay. But he had a little sterno stove. Sure. And he set that up yeah. and a little fry pan. Yeah. And he fried up a uh, fish in our uh, hotel room. Blah. I don't really like fish, so I don't like the smell of fish even more. Yeah, I don't like covering up fire alarms. <laughs> I mean, that you can uncover. I hope that he uncovered it after he's done. But mm-hmm. the uh, yeah, the whole the whole stinking up the joint. That's my that's my objection to this. The fire alarm, unless he's you know, unless he's like catching the whole room on fire because of his his bizarre. Wow, this guy's an expert though. He must have, like traveled with a lot of gear. He was a foodie. He was a foodie. Yeah. Okay. He was a foodie. Like he was, he was one of those guys who, uh, if you were traveling around BC, he would tell you the restaurants to eat at in like any town. Oh wow! He'd know like three really great ones, and he that's really, cool. yeah. That's a that's a good thing. That's a good that's a good uh, thing to know. He should have done a, done. He should have written a book about that. He should have. And then occasionally I would see him. No, I'm not going to tell you that story now. I'm thinking about that. I've given you his last name. Anyway, well, uh, he was a bit of a foodie. Let's go with that. Okay. Let's, okay. End, let's end that story there. Sure, sure. Interesting. Now, I had a thought, that, but I can't remember what it was, so I, can't, I cannot build on your story. I'm sorry. I apologize. All right. But you also... Oh, uh, no. I, this is what it was. Hit me. Uh, there is a person on Instagram. I don't follow this person, so they show up occasionally, but I guess they cook elaborate dinners in the dorm room. Okay. And, and so, that's not allowed? It's fine, I well, guess. Well, no, in the oldie days, it was like, we wouldn't let you have a hot plate in the dorm room. That oh. was the stereotype. Was okay, like, okay. You couldn't have yeah. a hot plate. You could have a microwave. Yeah. A microwave became allowed, but a hot mm. plate, no dice. He has a hot plate. Oh, no dice. He has a, <laughs> he has a lot of stuff. Okay. But they're all kind of miniature things that he has. And a lot of them are colored pink for some reason. I guess he bought them as a, as a set. But they're like, yeah, he has like a frying thing. He's got a, a not, toaster not oven. Not an easy bake. He has situation. a toast, toaster oven, and he, but he makes he makes like beef Wellington in his dorm room. Mm. Like it's really elaborate. It's not like sure. he's, not, he's not just making like a fajita. He's really like going all out. It's kind of neat to watch. I wouldn't want to do it myself, but I all 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 props to him. Would you want a beef Wellington? Yeah, I think that sounds appealing. Okay. It's Have a, you ever made a beef Wellington? Lisa's made a beef Wellington. I've made uh, I've made the cheap version of a beef Wellington. Oh, that, what is that? That's with the ground, ground beef. Ground beef Wellington? in the middle. Yeah, beef Wellington. No, I think ours was an official beef Wellington. Like had actual whatever the beef is. Okay. What's your beef? Yeah. But yeah, I think Lisa made it for New Year's Eve one year. Or That's New good. Year's or New Year's Day di- uh, dinner one year. Yeah, and a little bit of gravy on that. Very mm. nice. Yeah, it was nice. It was good. It was good. Uh, but we only had it once, so don't 
So I don't know if she... Well, it's a pain in the ass to make. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what... It's what a lot of work for individual elements that you could cook separately, and people would enjoy just as much, and it's fine. But it's a bit of a stunt, and yeah, uh, a lot is. of people like cooking it for Gordon Ramsay because he's a real fuss budget about it. <laughs> and then he'll judge their beef wellingtons okay. and comment on it. And okay. That's what he does. He also... He also does an Instagram thing where he comments comments in people's, uh, I guess their TikTok videos or he sure does. Stuff. Yeah, I've just seen it a couple of times. There's another guy that I prefer who does it. Uncle Roger? No, I don't think his name's Uncle Roger. I think he's just Chef Reacts or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that guy too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's more judgmental, so I. So is Uncle Roger, but he's a comedy character. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, his whole thing is like making fried rice the correct way. Oh, and I know who you're talking about now. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that reminds me. Uh, I just turned into um, I turned into Jiminy Glick there <laughs> with my rough, <laughs> and no, it's more of my ah, oh, yes, yes. Why do you? Then you got to do the high voice though. What does it? <laughs> Whatever you had to <laughs> Why do you? That's a great. That's a great character. It is, hundred percent. It's a great character. I I was taken in though at the in the beginning. I thought that the actors weren't in on it. I thought that he was like actually like kind of fo- you know like interview bombing them. At like a presser, uh, pulling an LEG, pulling an LEG, yeah, you know where they have like the yep. the assembly line of journalists walking in, and then, and I thought that that was what he did, and no one knew it was Martin Short, and because there was somewhere like the actor seemed to get visibly annoyed, <laughs> yeah, with with the bit, sure, and that was early on, and I think maybe later on they kind of figured they out. they got it, yeah. By the time you get to Mel Brooks and he's going, you know, uh, what's your beef with Hitler? <laughs> what's yeah. your beef with the Nazis? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Mel Brooks laughs a lot. So, yeah, yeah. But before, I, but I can't remember who the actor was now. But he seemed to be like visibly, <laughs> like put out by by this whole the whole thing going on in front of him. This whole rigmarole. Yeah. Have you ever seen him do it? Uh, like in the okay, let me just ask you this: Have you seen the Steve Martin uh, Martin Short um, comedy special yes. that's on? Yeah, Netflix, yes. where he does it, mm-hmm. and you know he does like kind of the little version of it. Yeah, he's in the little yeah. suit, and yeah, it's very impressive. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, it still works. It still works. Yeah, no, it's really good. It's really good. And uh, our former friend of the show, Mike Roberts, of course, body doubled him for for the the movie the Jiminy Glick movie. Oh nice. So he had a lot of uh, uh sets on set stories of, of working on that film which I guess had a very very s- s- string what is it string budget? Cheese <laughs> string. Cheese string budget. Yes. That's what it was. Cheese string budget. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the producer hung himself with a shoestring at the end <laughs> <laughs> for tax purposes. <laughs> and yeah. But we never collected. <laughs> Yeah, because it had uh, um, Jan Hooks. Jan Hooks, yeah, as his wife in it. And so it sounded like a fun movie. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's, it's an unseen movie. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's one of those movies that's out there somewhere. Where is it? Everybody, yeah, everyone <laughs> likes Martin Short, but you, know, when you get, oh, what's a, what of his movies is your favorite? Listen, let's not get into that. <laughs> not do that. Oh. You've seen Clifford, right? Look, look, look Clifford's buddy. Pretty, Clifford's pretty good. I like, Clifford's got some stuff to it, yeah. The one I like a lot is... It's a tough is, sell to someone on like, you know, what <laughs> night do you want to get together and see Clifford? Are yeah. we going to go out to see Clifford? We're not going to go out to see Clifford. It's on TV. Really? Is anything else on? Uh, no. Oh, well, then maybe we'll watch Clifford. <laughs> I like Dumb Luck a lot. Oh, I'm sure I've seen it, but I don't remember it. It's, yeah, it's just he's incredibly unlucky and lucky at the same time. 
It's okay. quite good. Yeah, it's a good movie. I think it's fun. He does sort of a Jiminy Glick kind of inspired thing in it where he gets bitten by a bee and has a allergic reaction and starts getting all swollen. Mm. And he does look very Glick-like. But I think it's pre-Jiminy Glick. Maybe it was a, maybe it kind of inspired Jiminy Glick. Maybe when he was in the makeup chair, he was started to uh, do this person personality. But yeah, it's uh, I didn't enjoy that film. It's good. It's because I would agree with, you know, I think he's just one of those people that's hard to write for, maybe hard to make, hard to know what to do with. Maybe that's the word I'm looking right. for. Right. And then you get him in something like the big picture and he's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, I think he's great in um, Inherent Vice, the Paul Thomas Anderson film. Okay. I've uh, seen played, that, but I can't remember what he, he plays was. the dentist in it. Oh, okay. The, uh, the drug addicted dentist who hmm. takes them all on a merry. A merry chase. So uh, both him and Steve Martin have played dentists, famous dentists. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's one of those films that's inherent vice is very divisive. Okay. So did there? Yeah. It's weird. When you were mentioning the person he played that's both lucky and unlucky at the same time, yeah. I went, oh, like Clouseau. Mm. Like there's a guy who's like stumble that's bumps. Right. You yeah, know, and yeah, then I thought yeah. like, he should play Clouseau. Wait, he didn't play Clouseau. Steve Why do Martin? I Steve Martin play Clouseau? Wait, of the two, would you give Clouseau to him? No, Clouseau is the chief of police who's going Clouseau. Yeah, you yeah. know, you'd give him that. But yeah, Steve Martin would be better as the Herbert Lom character. Yeah, and uh, but I think the difference is one of them brought the financing. Yeah, and the other one wouldn't. So because Martin Short, he had his chance. I mean, Intervision. I think that did all right. Did it? Well, I knew the name of it before you said that. Oh, no, it's not called that, right? Inner Space. Inner Space, Thank sorry. you. <laughs> Inner Vision. <laughs> I guess it didn't do that well. Were you thinking the of the it. movie Tunnel Vision? I probably was thinking of Tunnel Vision. Vision Quest. Vision Quest. Oh, love Vision Quest. He's not Ma- in it. Matthew Modine? I don't know what to tell you, but he's not in it. I don't know why I like that movie so much. Only thing I can remember about it is him carrying a log up and down the stairs of, of a, like a football stadium, uh, wearing like uh, this uh, plastic kind of suit to try and lose weight for his wrestling match. Oh, all right. That's all I remember of that movie, and yet I, I just love it for some reason. Tunnel Vision, I remember. Uh, is that a movie? Yeah. Here's, here's how I know Tunnel Vision okay. is a movie. Because uh, one of uh, our mutual social studies teacher, Jack Godwin, had a poster for Tunnel Vision, okay. which was a pair of lips with an eyeball. Oh, like, okay. uh, it was like a TV the, parody, then was it? I don't know. Okay, but it, but it was like up on you know like on display mm. next to a thing of uh, the Beatles, mm. uh, and then there's a map of the world I think on the wall as well. But I remember the tunnel vision thing was there, and like ah, I should see what that is someday. I mm. was thinking I never uh, did, unfortunately. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that, Jack Godwin. Sorry. Uh, the other social didn't say hi feature. to you either when we were over at the Burns View thing last year. Almost a year to this day. I didn't like, say hello to the social studies teacher. The other social studies teacher who I quite liked. And one thing I remember in his room, besides having... Um, was this uh, Carl Moser you're talking about? We don't have to name names, but yes, it was Carl Moser. And okay. Besides, I don't think there's anything wrong with also, saying the teacher that you liked. He also had... He <laughs> Scandal. Had, he had the poster from uh, Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits, his second Greatest Hits album. Greatest Hits album this, uh, what was his name? El, El Gottlieb or some kind of name anyway. He did this... It's a poster with like a pen drawing of... Dylan with like kind of rainbow hair. Okay, uh, it was it was available in all of in all those. Uh, well, I've never found one with the poster in it. Okay, I've always wanted to find the record, but but those days are past when you could do that. But anyway, um, the uh, the other thing he had on his wall in his room were these kind of like optical puns, optical illusion. I don't want to call them. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. There's like a grater with like a giant giant bolt, and it's yeah. partly grated down, and then there's little bolts. Yeah. 
you know, and just stuff like that. There's like a whole, he had, a, you know, five of those in his room. That's the only one I remember now. But I always thought they were, you know, amusing. Yeah. I spent a lot of time looking at mind them. fuckers. Right. Nice mind fucker posters. <laughs> well, I, you know, and I'm a fan of mind fuckery. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. And, it, you know, it killed some time while he was talking about the bubonic plague in the Middle Ages. Sure. You know. They were both uh, good teachers for telling you information and it sticking in your head. They were, yeah. I was it's less, stuck in your head. I was less of a fan of, of the one than the other. I was, yeah. Uh, I was a, more of a Moser fan. I liked, and I liked how organized he was. And I love the fact that, and, you know, I'm sure this is kind of lazy sounding, but he had all of his notes is, uh, on his overhead. And he would just sort of slowly reveal the points as he talked. And then you would carefully write them down, you know, so that you felt like you were taking notes, but really you're just copying his points. Um, but you know, you did, you did have the stuff for the test there. And I kind of appreciated that. It's funny how different teachers are different ways. I don't remember like what, how God, I only took one class with, with uh, Godwin and that was modern warfare. I think it was called or warfare or whatever. Okay. That was the only one I took. And it kind of, I think it wasn't just modern warfare because it also dealt with like the Greeks and, and et cetera. And that was kind of like the class I wa- I heard a lot about and wanted to take because everyone said, "Oh, it's a really good class, and he's a good teacher." But I found him a little. Um, I found him a bit of a martinet, a bit of a power tripper okay. in the class. I didn't. I didn't like that. Even though he had every bit of every guise of being a hippie, you know, he had the the calf the caftan shirt or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, with the kind of v v uh, throat whatever you call that thing the this part the collar, mm-hmm. and then you know with the you know the kind of lots of designs on it and stuff like that and very loose fitting and he wore sandals and all that kind of stuff you know but still at the same time he was like very rigid and very disciplined or very disciplinary and you know people seemed very mean whereas moser was more of a kind of a softy and i like that mm-hmm. i like that a lot then i had another social studies teacher who was he was a gym teacher who was also teaching social studies and his tests were crazy because they were like all essay questions so there'd be like five essay questions. You had to like write five pages worth of stuff to Jesus. for the test. It was, it was a lot of work. A lot was, of work for him having to read it too. <laughs> that's like true. how many damn kids' essays do you have to read? <laughs> and that's not my... Oh my God. What a nightmare. Yeah. That's what he wanted. Oh, oh, oh. He wore glasses. So I guess he was oh, okay with reading. Well, you know? He was a bit of a nerd. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that... The that's, other gym teachers would beat him up. I don't know where you fall on tests, but my forte isn't the yeah. essay question. I like multiple choice tests because then the answer is right there. So it just cues your memory. You just go, oh, yeah, this is the right <laughs> this is the right answer. And what are my choices? Oh, this is the right answer. What are my choices? This is the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's better. I think that's a better way to do a test. Here's, my, here's my least favorite thing. Uh, show your work. Mm. Oh, I hate show your work. Mm. Just like, no, there's the answer. <laughs> that's all you need to know. You don't need to know. How, if I got to the, this answer yeah, by yeah. my own means and <laughs> I'm correct... Well, then my means is as valid as yours. So let's just agree to dis-a-fucking-gree, and everything's fine. It's like, no, show how you got there. I don't want to fucking show you how I got there. I guess in math, the, the formula is as important as the answer, I guess. But Is it? Well, if you end up getting the right answer, is it? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, how many times did you get it right? That's a real, that's a real question. Right. I mean, eventually, you know, my lucky guessing is going to fail me, and then, you know, it's all going to even out. Um, I think yeah, there's sometimes where you, you know, you know, you get into that weird state sometimes where you know the answer to something and just like write it down. And if they ask how'd you, how'd you know that, I don't fuck it. Like I just yeah, knew yeah, it, you yeah. know. You know it at a deeper level, and it like mm. immediately pops up. Like if I'm watching Jeopardy, there's times where like you know because we watch Final Jeopardy every night. 
uh, just just final Jeopardy, and and okay. and often I'd say like eight out of ten times we get the answer, mm. and it's like where'd that come from? I don't know. Yeah. How do you know what the lake that was? I don't know. Just that was the obvious. It popped in my head. Yeah. You know, there's something processing in there. That, you know, and now okay. Well, why don't you look at that process? Well, I'm breaking it. I'm breaking the process by looking at it and examining it. It's like, don't mess with it. It works. It's fine. I sort of know where I'm at. It's sure. all fine. And math is math. If I got six as the answer and the answer is six, then my answer is right. Yeah. Yes. But you're also being marked on your the formulas. Why? <laughs> Why would that be needed? I don't know. I guess it's to, make, I guess it's to see that you're doing it the right way. Like you're not just. Which matters doing because. Lucky guessing again. Because it's math and math is about formulas. All right. That's math. I never do very well at math, so I'm not I don't want to defend math. To me the right answer is the right answer. Mm-hmm. And like if you're whatever you're doing is getting you to the right answer, yeah. well, there we are. And here we be. That's right. If purloining the answer key before the test, you know, it's the right answer is the right answer. Yeah, that's also fine. Let's not look let's not look too deeply into to where your answer key went, Mrs. Gibbons. I cheated on the very yeah. last test of high school. You very did? Oh you yeah, did? yeah, yeah, yeah. What not the provincial exam? No, nah, it was something. I forget what it was, but it okay. was like the last test I ever took. Okay. And it was basically coming down to like, if I passed this test, I passed. And if I didn't pass it, I wouldn't pass. I was wrong okay. about that. My math was wrong on that. I would have passed anyway. It was fine. <laughs> but the way they presented it to me was like, I had to pass this test or I wouldn't have graduated high okay. school. Okay. Okay. Which is weird. And I look back at my grades and go, yes, I would have. Yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> but but they were. But this was the big thing. Yeah. So so yeah. So like I I hit the answers and uh, and I snuck them out and I read them and I wrote them and I cheated and I I got out of high school. Mm. And you know there you go. Bad maybe, but worse to go back to high school. Yes, much better, much worse. <laughs> Life destroyingly worse. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Sure. I uh, I I hit him in my underwear. You hit them in your underwear. Yeah. And how did you, do you got them out during the test? Yeah. That must have taken some, uh. No, not really. Cause you, cause you stretch. You stretch. You do whatever you do. Yeah. Yeah. You reach your hand down. Uh-huh. And then you pull out a little bit. Yeah. And then you like, it's the, yeah. the answers are there. Uh-huh. And then you just tuck them so, back in. So natural. Right. But Our the boy. other thing I was thinking was like, they're not going to reach into my underpants. <laughs> no. Well, that's the true. That's true. Right. And yeah, at any yeah. point, it is a good they're not place. on me. Yeah. So yeah. 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 You don't want them written on your wrist for that classic. Move your sleeve up and you've smeared all the information. I see. Yeah, yeah. What you really need is you need like an ink that you can remove instantly. Okay. There's got to be some kind of ink that's just like instant smear <laughs> sure, gone. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So don't tattoo it on is what you're saying. Oof. Don't what I, if you did? You'd always know the answers to that test. <sighs> the rest of your life. Wow. you be like, man, you do well at, at, at Final Jeopardy. And you'd be like, yeah. <laughs> it's all written on my arm. <laughs> I got all the French Revolution right here on my right, my well, what left if, arm. And I what got... if you were a big fan of yeah. uh, the periodic table of elements? Why not? And, and so you and so you tattooed the periodic table of elements onto your arm. Yeah, that's not illegal yeah. to do. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, you're having a test. Do you have to cover up your arm? Mm. Like, how would that work? I love the periodic table of the elements. Okay, what's your favorite? Well, it's not that I, I just love the 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 beautiful what would be the word for it the symmetry the, well not necessarily symmetry but just the structure of it and the fact that when I can't remember his name the person who first formulated the table of the elements he left blank spaces for yeah. yet undiscovered elements and I don't mean like all those fake ones they throw at the bottom you know that the people have, people have made by bombarding something with with radiation I mean like just standard things like 
that this hadn't, you know, he said, well, there's this atom, these atomic weights. We need, there should be some sort of element that fall, you know, falls between these two weights. So he left spaces. And then in so, at some point in time, mm-hmm. these elements were discovered and filled into these and, and met these atomic weight, uh, expected weights. And, and they, they went matched his uh, table of the elements. It's a pretty amazing achievement when you're, when your theory or your formulation proves to work in practice, it's pretty amazing, I think. Are you looking up who invented the table? No, I was looking up a very nerdy question. Okay. Which was uh, in the... in Okay. Hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, in in uh, the Marvel movies, Tony Stark <laughs> yeah. invents an element. Okay. And I was looking at, like, what the element was called. It's not vibranium. Yeah, it's uh, it required a okay. He used to require an element that was a heavy element such as palladium to keep it running. Unfortunately, uh, it was it was uh, being eroded by neutron bombardment, okay. and so he invented a new element. I see. And uh, and he tried to, okay. He tried to call it badassium, and that uh, didn't work. And they yeah they they didn't come up with a name for it. It was just called new element. <laughs> yeah. Huh. And then later he replaced it with uh, vibranium. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Wonder well. where that goes on the periodic table of elements. <laughs> Guess what? It doesn't. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. It's, that's what impresses me about that. I just like the. Uh, I like when science works. I think that's very impressive. Well, look. What I liked about it was it. It almost looked like a map where, like, you know, at mm. a certain point, you want to memorize all fifty states or something. You see a bunch <laughs> of stuff in a row. Or sure. like, you know, every country in Africa, you want to memorize it. And because uh, there's a bunch of their things. So let's just try memorizing it. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, periodic table of elements, same deal. You're mm-hmm. like, well, let's just memorize that stuff. Let's go. It's a limited amount. Uh, let's do it. And then later on, maybe that uh, memorizing some of the geography helps you in where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. I mean, Africa is pretty changeable. Mm. changeable place so except for madagascar that's your that's your that's your uh gimme that you're like oh thank god i got madagascar all right we're good okay south africa okay that's good okay i know but south africa is is now two two nations right there's well it wasn't then there's a nation in the middle of south africa now so you gotta get you gotta know that too now that's why the show's not on the air anymore (laughs) what the show uh where in the world is carmen san diego (laughs) that's right is she in south africa but where is she in losotho or is she in is she somewhere where it's really dangerous to steal shit? Like I wouldn't. Uh, there's some of those places I would not be stealing stuff, uh, Ms. Uh, San Diego. Is she a? Oh, she a thief? Yeah. Okay. I never, didn't really watch the show. I was a little okay. Little before you had, you had daughters during the era of Carmen San Diego. Before their time and before my and after my time. Okay. They were too young to appreciate Carmen Sandiego. She was a thief, and you had to uh, determine where in the world she was yeah. doing her thieving. And so you need some geographical knowledge. You would learn mm. things along the way. Sure. And on the television program, the final thing would be they'd take a continent yeah. and then give a kid, I think, like uh, you know, various countries in that continent okay. or states or okay. what have you. And then they'd have to like put as many in the proper place as possible. And if you get the right amount, then you win. And huh, that's yeah. cool. And you get to, to scream at the TV and go, no! <laughs> what are you, an idiot? That's not where, that's not where Romania is. Come on! <laughs> I wouldn't know. No, that's the thing you wouldn't. I but wouldn't if know. you watch the show on a regular basis, yeah, then you do yeah, you get end up knowing. Hmm, that's good. Good knowledge. Knowledge is good. It's like um, Animaniacs, where they do the uh, every country in the world. 
song. And then, you know, as a kid, you start to memorize where all the countries in the world are. Hmm. Because you're a kid and you got sponge brain. And if you get sponge brain song at an early enough time, well, you're you're good. I got the preamble to the Constitution of the United States of America in my head. Why do I have that? Because there was a song about it in uh, Schoolhouse Rock. There you go. I don't have it, but I don't remember the song lyrics. So That's my problem. Don't let me burden you with my problems. Have you ever done a musical? Have I ever done a musical? Yeah. No, I never have. Mm. I played I played trumpet in a musical. Okay. But I never I was never sang in a musical. Because I would be way too shy to be okay. <laughs> in a musical in high school. I'm just curious if uh, have you ever like sang a musical sketch? Well, we did do that when when we were kids, but or when we were teenagers, but but no. But something like the When I'm Rich song, we never did that live. That was like a No, radio. we did it for radio. But I mean but we did it basically live. We didn't like stop because we made a mistake or whatever. No, we, no, but we, we had it in front of us. We had the lyrics. I guess we did have the lyrics in front of us, yeah. What I'm wondering is like, could you memorize uh, like a musical, like a song from a musical, if you had like a musical number. Oh yeah, to do. I could do that. Okay, but I wouldn't remember it like in a year. Right. It'd no, you gone, shouldn't. It'd be gone from my head. But. Right. If we yeah. gave you a little bit of Gilbert and Sullivan, you could do Modern Major General. <laughs> like I cannot. There are people, and I'll put Jason in this category because I, I have seen him do it. Who can sing like all kinds of theme songs from from our youth? You mm. know. Whether it's a cartoon theme song, sure, or sure, a sitcom I can do a lot theme, of that. Yeah, but yeah. I can't. I cannot remember. Jason the, would be better at me at it than me. But yes, uh, he can do a lot, and I cannot. And I remember one time, another friend of mine and and Jason, when we were at my brother's first wedding, they were going through song after song in a kind of a an orgy of of nostalgia, and and I was just standing there because I couldn't, I couldn't contribute at all. Well, that's the weird thing. Now, again, I'll throw a plug in for Jason's podcast that I produce. Uh, refresh my memory, which also I've has heard of it. Eric Fell and uh, and Vicky Van. Mm. Uh, they talk this time around about Planet of the Apes, the '68 movie, 1968 version. '68, yes, oh. movie. Uh, and it seems like it should be later on. Like it feels like a '70s movie more than a. 60s there are movie. many sequels that are in the '70s. Sure, sure. I just mean the movie itself and its tone and stuff mm. like that. Um, but anyway, but. When they, one of the reasons for it being called Refresh My Memory is because when we all get together, uh, holy shit, we just remember everything about everything about everything. <laughs> and it just gets deep, deep, deep yeah. until we hit some sort of weird area where, like, you've never heard of all the Don Adams uh, board game commercials. Mm. Let's go to the video. <laughs> and, you know, afterwards, I'll play them all for him. Yeah. But if he does remember it, like, you know, we'll remember, like, the the Planet of the Apes television show, and we'll yes. discuss that. And I was like, mm-hmm. how about the other Planet of the Apes television show, the animated one? Oh, yeah, with all the Kirby stuff. Oh, let's talk about Kirby now. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to this. Now let's go to that. They also made movies out of the out of the TV show. Whoa. So they would put, go ahead? They would put episodes together in, oh, okay. into like a movie link and then release them into theaters. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. They also had a couple of... Like, they had Marvel comics in North America... Based on Planet of the Apes, not super popular, no. but in the UK, crazy popular. Oh, really? And they so, but they put them together in collections, so it'd be Planet of the Apes and Tomb of Dracula. You know, it'd be all these mix-ups of like things that you would not Captain America, sorry, sorry, Captain Britain and Planet and Planet of the Apes. <laughs> okay. Like they don't fit in any way together. No, not but, really, but here you go. Okay. By the way, Herb Trimpey, yes, co-creator of uh, Captain Britain. 
We mentioned that in the show last Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I think that's worth shouting out uh, multiple times because he's a fantastic <laughs> character. I have the action figure in the it's other room. It's a great room. costume. Yeah. It's a good costume. Yeah, Herb Trimpey. <laughs> Underappreciated. Even by me, everyone. I'll, I'll talk, cop to that. I finally downloaded uh, the... Because we t- we were, again, talking about it because we put up the movie Hooray for Herb Trimpey or yeah. We Love Herb Trimpey. We, I think yeah, I was going to We Love Herb Trimpey or something. I can't remember the name. So I, Trimpey, yeah. I found the comics uh, that were in this Treasury edition that uh, I really liked as a kid. That, okay. Like, okay. It sort of messed me up a bit. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it was fun. Like looking at them again and like, yeah, yeah they're, they're fine. This is all good stuff. Good, yeah. good job, Herb Trimpey. Oh, that's great. I mean, the drawing he's doing, he's like sitting at his weird butcher block t- desk. I guess I call it a desk in the Marvel bullpen drawing this uh it looks like a splash panel for a credible hulk he may be just doing it for the mo- for the documentary just as a you know yeah look like you're drawing yeah. Look, yeah look like you're drawing but he really is drawing like they show him inking it and he's like filling in parts and stuff but and it's you know it's interesting to see but and it's you know and it looks good so i was looking at that and i was kind of like well i wonder like why he was so unappealing to me as a as a teenager but i always say it's just because of the the outside of the comics that I saw that he was that he did, I always looked so good, and then Glob. the inside was yeah, yeah, that's good. It's all fine and good. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's very, it's a very um, basic, basic kind of Kirby esque style. Ve- you know what? I would say Kirby esque, but like with a whole bunch of Steranko in it. Mm. This is very Steranko. He's got very Hulk has very pretty Steranko eyes. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, the colors are fun too. So yeah, very uh, yeah. And what's cool about the mar- the bullpen sequence in that documentary we're bringing it up again sorry folks is uh that it's Marie Severin sitting with her back with you know sitting there too doing some work in the bullpen you're like well here's one of the kind of key figures key kind of unknown figures yeah in in comic history i mean she worked at ec comics did oh i didn't know that oh yeah because she, she her brother was was um Oh yeah, John Severin. John Severin, yeah. Oh, Marie Severin. Sorry, I was thinking Flo Steinberg for oh, a second. Yeah, yeah, no. No, Marie Flo. Severin is freaking genius. Yeah, and like her art is is great, mm. and her colors are fantastic. She like, did a yeah. lot of uh, hilarious stuff too, in not brand Eck. Mm, okay, uh, yeah, I don't think I've seen that. So yeah, that's interesting. No, I just I, I know I know her more as a, a colorist for EC, just because of the you know she basically was the colorist at EC Comics, and so she did some beautiful stuff for for. Um, Harvey Kurtzman's comics, like for, um, I, I think it's in Frontline Combat, Combat. There's a there's a story, like a jet fighter story, in Korea, drawn by Alex Alex Toth, and his it's his you know what he was asked to do by by um, Kurtzman is very spare, mm-hmm. like it's very very simple, but and so it's kind of interesting in the Russ Cochran version of of the of the EC books where it's just black and white. It's not. It's not that much to look at. Like when you're looking at the the drawings, you're kind of like, well, these are fine, but they're pretty pretty spare. But if you ever see the color version of it, the Reese Severin did, then you're just like, oh my god! Now I now I see why it was done this way. So that because the sky is so prominent, and she's just given like full free reign to do whatever she wanted. It's showing amazing. you some uh, Submariner that she did there. Yeah, well, really that's nice. her drawing. Yeah, that's really good. That's her drawing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, trying to find one of her humorous things to show you, like the cra- the crazy. Yeah, really nice war stuff there. Yeah. Good Hulk. But yeah, when she got to do the cra- yeah, so uh, I'll I'll show you I'll show you a little bit of uh, this stuff. Yeah, there's there's a Superman uh, parody that she did. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, great style. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so it's fun to see her working there. There's another guy working, 
a bearded fellow. He is, unfortunately, they're not identified in the in the documentary. Mm. You only know it's Marie because he calls her Marie. Mm. He references her, but it doesn't reference the other guy. So he's just a, who is he? Who is he? We ask. I don't know who was working there at that time. You know, who would have been in the bullpen at that at that period? Because I don't. It's kind of weird that for that job that they were required. Like it seems like Herb Trimpey was required to be yeah in the office working. At, Is that the same the deal bullpen? with DC? Do they have their equivalent of the bullpen and uh, I don't really Kurt know. Swan and what happened <laughs> would have to be there? But did they? I, I I can't imagine that you you must have been able to get to a point where you were able to work from home and just have your page your pages you know sent in by messenger or whatever. It feels like by the time you got into the early seventies with Neil Adams and whatnot, I don't see Neil Adams coming into the office and no. doing that. And like just too no, uh, I'm too sure there was shouldered. Yeah, I'm sure there were some who were there. Because you would need people on hand to do, like, you know, say some art correction or fill in things. Maybe, you know, if there's like a, some sort of error or there was a change that was made and they needed a quick, a quick panel drawn or whatever. There's someone there to do that. So I'm sure that they needed some people there. But I imagine that when you reached a certain point, you didn't have to take the, the train from Okanoks, New Jersey or wherever he's coming yeah. from. And, uh, you know, take the two, I think it was like a two hour trip for him just to get into New York and then come back out again. I think I, I was really lucky when I first uh, uh, started working at Bongo Comics and had a tour of the Bongo offices, yes. which were shared at the time with uh, Futurama. Okay. Uh, like what, Futurama, the, the TV company? show. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, the, it was like not half and half. It was like maybe like a, a fifth. Uh, was Bongo and the and the rest was Futurama. Yeah. And when you come in, uh, you know, you, you walk past Secret Service agents because Secret Service agents. Yes. Okay. Well, I've told you this before. Let's see if you remember. Why were there Secret Service agents when I walked into past the Futurama uh, show? I guess because Richard Nixon's head was in a yeah, that's correct. In a case, yeah. no, it was because um, Al Gore's daughter was one of the writers on Futurama. Oh, really? Yeah. And she still got protection yeah, from yeah. the Secret Service. So yeah, yeah, there was Secret Service agents there. Yeah, uh, this was sure. while he was pre- while he was vice president. No, nope. even after. Oh yeah, after for sure. Wow, really? You don't. Yeah, when you when you can't when, escape it. No, 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 no. Like once once yeah. you're done. Yeah, there's still people protecting your family. Uh, former presidents and vice presidents. Yeah, absolutely. And their families. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Jeez, because you're a hot target for uh, kidnapping and whatnot. I guess that's true. So yeah, the yeah. Secret Service agents had to sit there in the writers' room, going, "Yeah, I guess that's all right." Pretty good joke. (laughs) And then if she did a joke that didn't do very well, the agent would throw himself in front of that joke before it hit the uh, (laughs) hit the center of the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take that, take the hit. Just like that was my joke. I came up with that, and they're like, "All right, that's fine. Good for him taking the hit for that terrible bender joke." Good for her though. That's a weird. That just seems like a weird route if your dad is Al Gore to be a comedy writer. Yeah. You know, I don't think that was like the family, the family uh, plan. Tipper and Nell weren't going like, I hope one day that whatever her name is becomes a, let's call her Brittany. You were also wondering like, you know, what music could she listen to when she was younger? None. When your mom is Tipper going. None. <laughs> None that you wanted to hear. I can't even listen to Wasp. Yeah, she's 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 not getting any of the uh, Twisted yeah. Sister references <laughs> at all. Uh, but when I went to the offices, yeah. uh, it was very old timey comic booky. Okay, like you know, there's a you could tell that because uh, Bill Morrison, who was art director on Futurama at the time, but also yeah. was 
uh, head editor under uh, Matt Groening uh, of uh, of Bongo, uh, was such a fan of those days okay. that it was all set up like that. Mm, mm. And yeah, you're like, ah, oh, this feels like a comic company. Yeah, like yeah. where later on you'd go to other comic companies and go, yeah, this is just an office. Yeah, because it's, it's just a production office. It's just it's a production not, office. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. It's not, it's not Most a, people are doing their stuff from home. Exactly. And yeah. It's all. Yeah. It's all fine and fine. You know, which but, is fine. Yeah, but this was fun. This yeah. was like, oh boy, this would be fun to work here. But that's the thing. I was just going to say, like, when you say, did they have to come into the office? Maybe they wanted to come into the office. Maybe that was fun well, to come in. Well, you get stuff done faster than like I'm going to. E- you know, back then you didn't really have a lot of good email. Like we got a lot. I did a lot of faxing scripts and yeah, got a yeah. lot of notes back by fax. Yeah. Instead, just like walk into the office. What do you sure? What yeah. do you think, boss? Here's a gag about this. <laughs> All right, I like this. We're gonna do a joke about wrestling. Wait a minute, they're doing wrestling on the show today. Sure. Okay, well we can't do wrestling jokes then. Let's get out of here. You know? Did you see the newest uh, Simpsons? What? Well, I can't tell you much about it except mm-hmm. this is gonna. Blah, blah, blah. But it also seems like at Marvel at that time, especially when Stan Lee was was still the kind of editor, head head writer, a lot of the stuff was done in conference. The artists and the writer would, you know, the artist and writer, the writer in this case being Stan Lee, would get together yeah. and talk about where the story was going to go. And then the writer would go off and draw the, draw the script and bring it back. And then Stan Lee would add the words to it, you know, yep. so there was... So there was like a reason to get together and not just over the phone, but you'd, you'd want to have this face-to-face. It's the same thing, though, to me, you know, as a, that we talked about on, let's plug another podcast, on uh, Completely Beatles, where we talk about uh, the Beatles and just how fast things turned around and were done. And like oh, the, yeah, the Beatles went from Twist and Shout, you know, <laughs> to Revolver in like so many years. That was just like such a small amount of three, years. Three years. And that's the same thing to me with Marvel, where... You know, they did Fantastic Four, and they didn't have costumes, mm. and it was all just, well, I don't know, let's, listen, <laughs> this company's going under, so let's just do what we want to do, yeah. is is the way they say it, yeah, you yeah. know? But then it was like, oh, it kind of took off a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, people like it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it really seems like within five years, it went from, well, let's give it a shot, to the biggest thing, and it's on, col- colleges are going crazy for yeah. it, and kids love it, and everyone knows who Spider-Man is. And it's like, <laughs> Jesus, like in five years, so fast yeah well it's not to I say that they had a tv show like they had the tv shows like marvel superheroes tv show like within five years how mm. the hell does that turn around that fast yeah money 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 the but i mean to, okay and legit tv by the way too back when there was three channels i thought that stan lee was talking to someone from dc and this guy from At dc golf, yeah what's that at a golf at a golf thing and he told him like yeah how good the team ups were working yeah, were selling the, for dc Justice League. and he was like well what, let's do that um, but and that's not to say that he didn't i mean obviously he was sort of copying what dc was doing but he brought his own thing to it as well like stanley's writing was totally different than what dc was going for right though the characters whenever you look at the fantastic four mm. you got to go wow you weren't trying super hard here, right? Uh, where it's like, who have you got? Plastic we got a, Man? Yeah, you got like, you know, a ripoff of Plastic Man. Yeah. But we can't call him Mr. Plastic. Yeah. How about Mr. Fantastic? Oh, oh that sounds good. Fantastic. Uh, how many of them are there? Four of them. Okay, what's his name? Mr. Fantastic, the Fantastic Four. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Invisible Girl. So that's like the Invisible Man. <laughs> okay uh what's this guy he's really strong oh you mean like all the monster books we're doing yeah who are uh, you like it and all this uh, yeah. uh what's his character uh the thing oh well, there's a couple of things called the thing but yeah fine it's thing that's sure. fine and who else you got i don't know uh who do we own 
Human Torch. We still own the Human Torch. <laughs> yeah, all right. But he'd be old. He'd be like, from, no, no, no. It's a kid. It's the same name, but we don't. Do, yeah. No one remembers the Human Torch. It doesn't, yeah, doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. It's never going to get brought up. It's true. No one would, no one would have And then by that. issue four, they're like, oh, what do we got? I don't know. Human Torch worked. Who did he used to fight? Submariner? He's back. <laughs> but wait, he's from World War II. He had amnesia. And he grew a beard. And he didn't know. That's and right. he hit That's his head. And uh, yeah. it all vanished for that amount of time. All right, fine. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Just keep raiding, mm. keep raiding the old uh, ideas. Yeah. Shape-shifting aliens. Mm. Okay, fine. Yeah. Let's take that old Dr. Droom character we've got. That was a character they had. <laughs> and uh, let's ditch the R. And uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> sure but i mean they made it work they I mean, made it freaking work because kirby not, kicks ass not only is stanley you know i'm not gonna say he's a great writer but he's you know he's is it's also if, challengers of the unknown if you read if you read stanley comics and then read the immediate post stanley comics that came out when he after he left yeah there's a drop in quality yeah to me there's a big drop in quality and in, in, in the in the way they're written in the humor of them and stuff like that mm-hmm. and in the bounciness of them and you know that he was he was sorely missed, but he was also like a really good hype man. Yep, like he's really good at hype. So well, there's a here's the difference. Like, okay, Fantastic Four do have powers, uh, but they're a lot like the Challengers of the Unknown, who are Kirby creation. Like the archetypes of those characters, you know, the young kid, the tough guy, old brains, and they don't have <laughs> the sexy lady. They have another sexy lady, but they have like another yeah. guy yeah. that's there. And then, you know, they will go underground and find like a mole man type guy. Yeah, this is just the things they do. And you read the Kirby version and go, that's fine. And then you read the Fantastic <laughs> Four and go, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And it's just that little extra, mm. hmm, zhuzh. That little little bit of little bit of Stanley bounce to it that right. makes it makes it work. Yeah. And quite frankly, if you read like the early, and I was going to say they're kind of boring. The early to me, the early Fantastic, Fantastic Four are kind Force? of boring. Well, they don't use. I any, like when it gets bigger. Yeah, they don't really use their powers. Yeah. Is the thing. Yeah, it's like all the stories that they've got are from their writing of things like Challengers of the Unknown, mm. which is these four people find this crazy world and get the shit knocked out of them for a while yeah. and then go, well, we're all doomed. Wait, maybe we, we escaped the thing. That's great. And then, oh, they have a weakness. And the weakness is he can't take bright lights. And and that's how they beat like the Mole Man. But like... Four regular dudes could also figure out knock his glasses off. Yeah, you don't need the power of uh, flames, and I can uh, make force fields, and you know I can stretch into anything. Yeah, it's none of that. It's like, how do you beat the 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 aliens? You know, you don't use the powers or whatever. You just like figure figure out a way, and then make them into cows. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I don't know what I'm agreeing to anymore. No, I don't either. <laughs> What were we talking about? I have no idea. We're both tired. <laughs> I am very tired. You, uh, had just, a, you had a busy week. I want to apologize, actually, because I, if people didn't notice, uh, Refresh My Memory came out a bit late this week. Oh, that was. Right. I, I gave it to you at the last second. You did give it to me last second. I was already in bed when, when you had sent me the... I woke up in the morning and you had sent me the thing and I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that tonight. When I get home tonight, I'll put it up. And then for whatever reason, I got home... I guess I got home around 7, we ate... It was 8 o'clock when I was finished washing dishes. And then you're just like, time to melt into the couch. So then I yep. I melted into the couch, watched some TV for a little bit. Lisa and I basically fell asleep watching television and then went to bed. 
And I got up in the morning and, <laughs> and Ian's left me a message. Could you please post the show today? <laughs> That'd be nice. And I was like, oh my God. So I. Well, my first thing was I, I didn't send you the right thing. Or I sent you something with a form that you can't read like I normally do. <laughs> send it oh, in yeah, Sanskrit. You sent it, right. you sent it in text. It was perfect. Uh, so then, yeah, I, uh, I, just, I decided, oh, I just ran outside and uh, I took a shower and then I ran outside and, and uh, did it before I left. So I did a speed speed dump. That is, go, that is all right. Yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been just crazy times for the for lots of a while to like where I'm actively right now just going. Okay, got to slow down. Got to just recover. <laughs> like it went from writing frostbite. Yes. And like, okay, let's get all this. Out. And that took a lot out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had a little worry where we didn't think we were going to be able to pay the rent and found out that someone who uh, we've been trusting for many years mm. uh, might be pocketing some of our money. Oh, no. Uh, and it's, yeah. Uh, to the tune of uh, a little over uh, $15,000. I was yikes. like, ah, this all is making some <laughs> sense now. And, uh fudge. So we got to deal with that crap. Yikes. And that was kind of draining and what have you. Yeah, and yeah. then we, and then we got this, this thing where we got a phone call. Uh, cause we had like just, you know, you, you reach a certain age, you get certain medical tests done. Mm. You know, this is just something that you do, yeah. uh, and what have you. And so we got a call from the doctor uh, office and said, uh, you know, and it was after a couple of weeks and we figured like, oh, well, all's well and good because yeah. we heard nothing. And that's yes. the sign that all is well and good. That's right. No news is good news. No news is excellent news. Yeah. Uh, and we got a call from the doctor's office, uh, saying, yeah, the doctor wanted to talk to you about your test results. Mm. And uh, like, okay, that's not a great feeling. Hooray, hooray. Uh, and so we asked, okay, um, Try try to set up uh, an appointment to, to talk to them that day. Mm. Oh no, they're not available today. I was like, okay. Uh, and basically, we're we're going to be getting a phone call from them in three days. I'm like, well, this is three days that you know this is kind of a serious. Hmm. And we're trying to get from the receptionist. Is this urgent? Should mm. we come there? Should we check with someone? And it's like, well, I'm not allowed to say what. I know, and they're being dodgy, and it's a way of just like, I can't tell you this. Yeah. And it's like, I understand that they can't tell you this. I understand that they're in a room that's, they're the receptionist. Yeah. And they're in a room with people. Yeah. And I'm not going to say, this isn't what it was, <laughs> but they can't say, yeah, you got herpes. They can't say that in a room, right? Full of people. They can't say that on a phone. Yeah. So I get it. But there should be something that day within a certain amount of time mm. that you can like get the call and them tell you it's okay or it's this or let's deal with it. Uh, so after much haggling, we're able to get them to say, well, it's not, it's not really urgent. I'm mm. like, well, what's, what's not mm. really urgent? You know, it's like, it's not taking hold. Fucking. So yeah, we basically had three days of don't know what the fuck's going on and like kind of sweating. Cause you know, it could be real shit. Really, really shit. Mm. And I'm going to say that, like, you know, we'll get back to this. Uh, during that period of time, uh, you know, a person I like a lot uh, passed away from cancer. Yes. Uh, our friend Guy, Guy McPherson. Yes. And so, and so that was on the mind as well because it could have been that. That could have been one of the results. Mm-hmm. So I was like, shit. Uh, and, yeah, it was like this real stressful thing up until, 
yesterday when we got the phone call and, you know, first thing out of the gate is, uh, oh, no, the test results are normal. We just and it was this weird little side thing, which is like, yeah, we're just wondering about this other thing of just like, you know, you were scheduled for another appointment like in a year. And normally it's like in three years. And we're like, so why do you think they want you in a year? It's like, I don't know. Was there anything wrong that would be? No, everything's totally clear. You got nothing wrong. I'm like, uh, yeah, so it's very weird that they want to see you in a year. Oh, okay. Who's they? I'm not really sure. Well, what the fuck any fuck, fuck, fuck? <laughs> you know, it's all so, so, but the bottom, but the bottom line is, yeah, no, we're all fine. Oh, that's good. But it took three goddamn fucking days mm. to, to, to hear we're all fine. Whereas yeah. it's like, there should be some system in place. Where you can sign up for an email or some crap that will just say you're okay. Here's extra information we'd like to get from you. Yeah, that yeah. would be fine. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it kind of all went from this long, stressful like month and a half to stressful thing about the rent to stressful uh, doctor thing. In the middle of it, stressful. Oh, someone that we like passed away. Yeah, and and so that brings us to today. Where I was just like, oh man, I just got these aches and all this other stuff. And like, yeah, yeah, you're really stressed out. You gotta like, gotta relax a bit. You gotta do some, so yeah, actively working on oof, trying to, trying to do that. So this is nice doing this and just chewing the fat and what have you. This helps. That's good. Yeah. Well, we actually got good news this week. Hit, hit so let me tell news. you some good news this I week. I would love to hear good news. I don't think, I, I know, I haven't really talked about it in the show. But I'll, so I have to go back a little bit. So last year, uh, Eve, youngest daughter Eve, bought a new car. Not a new new car, but a new car to her. It was a 2017 right. uh, Hyundai Tucson. She wanted to get a all-wheel drive car that was an SUV that she would feel comfortable in driving in winter weather. And her other car, which was a Honda Civic Hybrid, was just kind of starting to lose power. It was getting yeah. very weak, and it was it was underpowered going up a hill. And she lives... Up a mountain. Yeah, the car's called the slip and slide. <laughs> That's right. The fishtail. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so uh, she, you know, didn't feel comfortable with that car anymore. And so she bought this new, new to her car. Uh, she had it for about a month. Like she had it less than a month. And she noticed, she actually ca- called me and she said, Dad, it's low on oil. Hmm. And I said, well, that's weird. Um, I said, well, I said, you know, go maybe just get an oil change done. And just make you know, and we'll just make sure that maybe the dealership didn't do it, which seems odd, but I don't, right. you, know, you don't know what you're getting sometimes. So she went and got an oil change, and then about a month later, it was low again. It was really low again. So she took it back to the place, back to the oil change place, and they topped it up for free. They'll do it for free, for, I think two times. They'll top up for free, and then but the guy said you really should take this to a dealer and have them look at it because it's or to a you know a mechanic yeah. and have it looked at so she went to the hyundai in chilliwack where she lives and they scoped the engine and they said your engine is got done you'll need a new engine in this car it's around five thousand dollars so i was very upset <laughs> of course and i would you know i was there when she bought the car like i went on the test drive with her we looked at the we looked at the mechanical mechanics report and stuff like that, and there were some things there were some concerns that I had, not with o- engine, not with that. It had had a exhaust manifold replaced, and I thought that was rather soon for an exhaust manifold to be replaced in a car. To me, that was concerning, but she really wanted it. It was in her budget, and nothing much else that she wanted was. Okay. So I'm like, okay, well, let's get the car, and you know, fingers crossed. So. So yeah, so she had it for basically she had it for a month, and then she was told that her car was 
was, you know, yeah. not roadworthy. Have to be a new engine has to be put into yeah. it. So now at this dealership in Chilliwack, they were very nice. They they said, well, let's let, let us talk to Hyundai, and we will look into the a warranty because this engine, you know, this should be a warranty situation. So that's fine. So she went back to the dealership she bought it from and ex- explained what was happening, and they gave her a loaner. They gave her a rental car for a loaner, and so uh, she's you know so she's driving the rental car. They're looking into this new engine or getting a new engine from Hyundai. So as it turned out, Hyundai rejected the warranty uh, claim, and this is after the dealership had said ninety nine percent for sure they'll they'll honor it. Yeah, <laughs> the one percent no, they didn't honor it. They said no, it's and the reason it fell outside of the warranty was because Eve was too proactive. Like she she took care of the problem before it presented itself worse. And so to Hyundai, in order for the warranty to count, it has to be at this level of uh. terrible. Uh, this is the actual problem that happens, you know. And so by her being like proactive and like, you know, getting getting ahead of it, they're like, no, we're not going to cover it. So, okay. Uh, so there's nothing more that we can do with the Chilliwack people. So we go back to our, um, to the dealer in and, you know, the place where she bought it, the other Hyundai dealer. And it's good she bought it from a dealership because, you know, there's a little bit more accountability there than you would just getting it from, like, a sidewalk, you know, a used car place or even from a, a person selling from their on their driveway. And so and here in British Columbia, we have a thing, I think it's called a legal warranty. And what a legal warranty does is it covers you for a purchase of something. Uh, then there's certain cri- criteria that what, what you per- purchase has to meet. So, you know, it has to meet... It has to meet like what you bought it for, you know, its purpose. It has to have a, a measure of durability. It has to last, you know, a certain amount of time before it breaks sure. down, and a couple other other factors. Um, and so, obviously, this car misses the durability test. Like mm-hmm. it did not last more than a month before the. And obviously, and, and the dealership in Chilliwack said this is a long-standing problem. This predates you buying the car. Like this couldn't have happened with you driving it because, you know, you have your paperwork. You you did an oil change. Two weeks after you got it, and obviously the yep. oil leaking and everything else is, you know, there's been neglect on this engine. So, um, so we have to go, you know, so I like, I craft, you know, it's ha- handy here in BC. There's a, the, well, the just, the, I think it's called the Justice Institute or BC Law Society. And they have a website and they'll actually help you craft a letter. Like they have a template to help you craft a letter, a sort of, tersely worded letter to a, to a dealership if that's, you know, that's where you have to go. So I put one together for Eve and I said, well, let's, you know, I want you to talk to them, but if they're not going to be helpful, then we have this letter and we'll, you know, we'll carry on because, you you know, you can send them a tersely worded letter and hope that they respond. If they don't respond, then you can go to arbitration with the, you, like the, there's a car dealer, like a national car dealer association. And hopefully they'll look, you know, They'll frown on a dealership that won't help yeah. a customer, and then you hope that that will help you. And then you know, it's, after that, it's you know, legal either social media shaming or legal, legal, uh, you know, having to go to a lawyer. So Eve talked to them, and so they they went to Hyundai as well, and they attempted to to st- make their case for why it should be warranted. Once again, Hyundai said no, but the good news was. The dealership said we'll cover the replacement of the engine. Oh wow! So that's really good. So you know, she's been driving a used car for, or not used car. She's been driving a rental car for two months. Uh, with all this has been going on uh, through some winter weather, which is what she bought the car the right. car for in the first place, was to you know to avoid the snow and have something that she could drive around. But she didn't. It's been sitting parked because the dealership told her not to drive it because 
the impurities in the exhaust can wreck the, I can't remember what it's called now. There's a, I can never remember what it's called, but it's the filter underneath cars that everyone keeps stealing for the metal inside it. Oh yeah. Yeah. The catalytic converter. Yes. The catalytic converter. That's right. So the, all the smoke and stuff coming out of the engine, like the extra dense oil. By the way, that's a good example of don't ask me to do my work as to how I came up with that. <laughs> catalytic converter, yeah. Yeah, catalytic converter. A Cadillac converter. So then, um, yeah, so they just, it might get wrecked. So she's just had the car parked for the last two months and occasionally going and starting it just to keep keep it kind of going. And then, uh, yeah, so they're going to repair it. That's that's really good news. I said to her, even better news is if you can get them to agree to like give it a lifetime warranty. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, so uh, that was good news. Good. That's I'm really a, glad to hear that. That's been a long, un- ongoing Yeah, that's, stressor that's stressful. And really stressful for Eve. And she, Not fun. I talked to her on the phone when she wrote, and I just I phoned her right away to talk to her about it. And she said, yeah, it feels like 20 tons has been taken off of my head. So, yeah, that's good. So, Excellent. Yeah. And the other good news is that Mary got a job as a teacher, a full-time position. Oh, wow. Teaching uh, grade 7 at a middle school in uh, Rosedale, which Excellent. is a small yeah, community. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, near, near where she lives, so... What a twenty-minute drive there. Good, uh, a, a good going on that school, and they're going to be getting a great teacher. Uh, super Those great are teacher. very lucky kids. And what's fun is that uh, Eve does lunchtime monitoring there. So mm. there, now there's two Miss Dedricks at the school. So that's good. Another good news as a father is that uh, Eve is looking at going back to school and uh, going into teaching as well. So, so both of them are wow. great with kids. Absolutely great with kids. And you not, got a real little house on the prairie situation. <laughs> I think they all became teachers as well. I right? feel I feel like it's it. Yeah, it's a good job. Though it will end with you blowing up the town. I got to tell you though, so, I think, like Aldergrove is going to be going up in a big explosion <laughs> at the very oh, end. Oh no, oh no. Um, I think he would be, make a great like principal, mm. like that because she has really good people skills. So I think she'd be really good at that. So I, I f- foresee in her future like uh, going into uh, that part of of teaching. Maybe. It's very strange to me that. I am friends with two principals. There you go. Yeah, yeah. you know that yeah. my uh, my old roommate uh, Alan yeah. he became principal of a school. Yeah, and my friend uh, David David. Uh, I'm trying to think what what name he goes by. Dedrick? Russell. Oh, sorry. no, Russell. Uh, he's also because he's. Uh, you know what? I, I'm not going to say his other name because I think his other name is what he's principal. Oh, okay. But he's also an author. I see. Uh, and so under the author, he's David Russell. And he's also a comedian, David Russell. Okay. But he's, yeah, he's a school principal as well. Both principals. That's yeah. weird. That is weird. I know two principals. <laughs> huh. Sure. Yeah. Unprincipled principals. They're the ones that you're getting sent to the principal's office. And when the kids hear my friend's names, they go, oh. And they think, like, oh, I'm in the most trouble you could humanly be in. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, so if you get sent to the vice principal, that's the one who's going to knock really you around. That's nice. a that's a bad time. Although at junior high school, we had, we had the goofy pr- vice principal for a while who would tell jokes on the, you know. In the I'm morning. remembering this very differently. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you probably don't remember Mr. Fee then, because he, no, no, that was a different fellow. Yeah, okay. he was he was there when I first went, and he would tell jokes like, you know, uh, do you know what happened? You know what you got when the piano fell down the down the mine shaft? You know, yes, A flat minor. Yep, you know, just like jokes like that, and so you know, it's sort of dumb dad jokes, but that kind of like sort of many many deaths. It sort of smooth. <laughs> and and a lawsuit you wouldn't fucking oh, believe kids that's right one of the legs kicked out a, a supporting beam and the whole mine caved down okay oh, i do terrible. remember the one day so that, the, that the 
prince vice principal who is the one who did the announcements mm. and i cannot remember the name of them but it was at burns view yeah uh slam uh and when i was in godwin's class yeah uh was doing an announcement and then he dropped his papers yes ah oh, shit that wasn't the principal that was like one of the counselors was a counselor yeah okay and godwin uh sent a note yeah. to the office and the and the the teacher had to co- or counselor had to come and like give an official apology in front of us <laughs> it was shocking it was the most delightful day yeah of just like hey hey a teacher said shit <laughs> we, and you just heard the entire school go ah! it was it was such joy such joy and ah oh, so good and i think he later uh, married one of the counselors oh godwin could be I don't. I don't know all the ins and outs. There's lots of pictures One of, of him did. with his guitar on beaches, mm. you know, around a fire. Yeah, yeah. He's living the life that teachers sure. want to live. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. you end up on a beach with a guitar. What do you? What do you want? You're gonna be playing <laughs> you your. You're gonna be playing your Beatles songs. People are gonna be going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. I have the single that he and uh, Carl Moser put out. They put out a single. Yes, they did. It's uh, what's it called? It's a reference to being up up north, and it's uh. Shoot, I can't remember what it, what it was now. I was just looking through my... It's called Steadily, Studying You Socially. Just the other day, I was going through all my singles because they, they were all ended up in a box. Yeah. And I was putting them back into my little single. I have like a little rack, a little sure. metal rack that's, you know, has a little divided rack that I could hold all my singles in. And so I was putting a bunch of my singles in there and I was looking at what I had as I was doing this because I, you know, I don't have like a lot of singles because I, to me, it's, it was kind of a waste of time or waste of money thing buying singles when i was a kid all right because you know like if for a few dollars more you can get the record and have way more songs so why would you you're not wrong why would you buy this buy but sometimes you would love a song so much which is why now that you have a phone yeah that you can have hundreds of thousands of songs on mm. you no longer buy records it's the same well, it's true i don't buy records but i do buy cds but yeah oh wow okay <laughs> I, all right i like the you know i don't trust streaming services so okay you know physical Physical artifacts are important. But um, yeah, so I was looking through and I was like, I had my very first single. I didn't buy it, but mom bought for me, which was Raw Raw Rasputin by Boney M. Sure. I still have that single. I have uh, my very first single I ever bought, which was Don't Stand So Close to Me by The Police. Yep. And then I had my third single I bought, which was Generals and Majors by XTC. And then I still have my fourth single, which was Peter Gabriel's Games Without Frontiers. Uh, after that, I didn't buy much, but I did buy a lot of Prince singles, uh, just because I was a big collector yeah. of his music at that time. Because I would buy all his, um, I bought all his long playing singles, you know, so that because those had three songs on them, mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing. And sometimes they're really long, like uh, you know, exotic. Was that what it's called? Exotic City, whatever, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Another Lonely Christmas, you know, like seven minute long. You know, side. You know, these big. Uh, this is like the thirty-three, sure. like a full-size record size, but they're they have like three songs in them. More of an I, EP. I want you to keep talking about Prince while I go use the watch. Sure, go ahead. There's no one to talk to, but yeah. So but then I would also buy the singles. So I had you know all these songs on singles as well, just because I was a maniac and I just wanted to own the albums and I wanted to own all the singles and I wanted. Then I decided I should also own all the 40, 45 singles and that was like because it was just a phase. I am a phase person. So, like, you know, I went through, like, my Elvis Costello phase, and then I went through a Prince phase, and then I went through another phase. I went through my XTC phase when I was when I was a teenager, you know, after when um, Black Sea came out. I immediately went and bought Black Sea, and it came in, like, a black bag, and you had to, like, cut the bag open to get the record out, and that seemed so great. And then, um, yeah, so and I, you know, bought... 
And actually, I also own a single from Mummer. I can't remember what the song is now off the top of my head, but oh, what's it called? Anyway, it was a picture 45, so it has like an image on it. And that seemed pretty great. And then I had another one from The Big Express, which was also a picture picture 45, like a picture, you know, the, the actual single itself has like an image on it. I don't know why I was wasting my money on these things. And then I had a XTC one that had like postcards with the single. Okay. That's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And then also I, of course, have uh, Magical Mystery Tour, the two singles, you know, so that, that's how it was uh, issued in England. Oh, that's neat. Here in North America, they issued it as an, a full-size album. And then they attached like uh, Strawberry Fields and Penny yeah. Lane and Baby You're a Rich Man and uh, All You Need Is Love to it to kind of fill it out. This is the information you can also get if you listen to uh, Completely <laughs> yeah, Beatles. Can. But then in England, they just put it out as two 45s. Mm. So you just had the actual songs that were in Magical Mystery Tour on the 45s. And that's pretty special too because it, it folds open and has like a, a book that sort of tells the story of the of the movie oh that's cool or actually maybe makes the story of the movie because there's not much of a story to the movie of course it would be interesting if uh maybe it would be interesting maybe it wouldn't be interesting but if you had a uh, a show about albums mm. but not about the music but mm. it's about all the packaging and oh, just like cool. you know just the things yeah. so you get into the mason williams you know, uh, here this unfolds into like. Well, a, that was a book. It, they did okay. it with an album, but yeah, yeah. But be... it came with a. Didn't it come with an album? No. Oh no. Well, that shows what you, I know. You bought the Greyhound book separately, and that, ah. and that book folded out into a full size Greyhound bus. This is the yeah. This is the kind of information <laughs> that uh, I need to know. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do have some. I do have some cool records. I mean, I have the Rolling Stones um, "Sticky Fingers" with the zipper on the cover, so you can unzip the pants on the. <laughs> And I have um, Exile on Main Street with the with the postcards in it that came came with like a bunch of little postcards. Neat. And then some ones are some are fun. Like I'm, you know, I have the Led Zeppelin. I think it was Led Zeppelin three that had the uh, spinning wheel inside it. So it, it has like a die cut cover, and then you spin the wheel, and it the little shapes appear in the windows of the of the die cut on the on the. Oh, album very sleeve. cool. That's a fun one. There's a fun one with um, the Bonzos on their their Tadpoles album. Uh, Viv, Vivian Sancho's eyeglasses are die cut, and so as you pull out the album, little images appear in his glasses as you pull up, pull out the sleeve. That's that's quite fun. I have the Kinks, uh, Arthur, or the Decline and Fall of the British Empire, and inside it, uh, when you pull out the sleeve, there's a there's a kangaroo that's holding the album as you pull out the uh, record from the from the sleeve. That's this cool. feels like okay. Sorry, I'm pitching this as a show. <laughs> Uh, this feels like a, sne- a sneaky dragon listening party type show, mm. uh, where you just where you take like five albums and just like for pretty, an hour talk about pretty quickly run out of run out of them. Well, you don't. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you do them. You do them in like you know, and then you you do like five episodes and like well, then we call it. And if we have enough for like a second season, you do a second mm. season. But if you don't, fine. Did I tell you that I made the the Let It Be box? Nope. Okay, so back in the day. Like if you went to Valley Village and stuff, like, you know, like thrift stores, they would just sell the, the Let It Be book would be there. And sometimes if you're really lucky, you'd get one that wasn't broken because almost all of them, the glue broke. And the oh, binding. wow. And I do have one that's absolutely intact. And then one day I was at the Salvation Army at the Cellian in uh, North Vancouver after I had a, I saw, that's where I was going to see my psychologist. And I just tootled over to the Cellian and I was looking through there and I found the, the box like the slip cover. It's not really a box. It was a slip cover for Let It Be. Right. And so I had the album, Let It Be. And then I had the book. And then I had the slip case. So I was able to make the, the right. original box. Right. And you box. said to your psychologist, 
uh, should I buy this? And he'd say, yeah, it'd be crazy not to. <laughs> he said, you'd be crazy not to. That's okay, right. Okay, there you go. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, so I, it was a pretty great find. So, yeah, I have the uh, – I so hope I still have it because um, there was so much confusion after the flood. I, uh, who knows what I have now. But, yeah. No, that'd be fun. It'd be fun to, like, show my uh, my Kiss my Kiss uh, Destroyer album with the poster and uh, – yeah, I'm thinking now this might be this Sonic might be like spectrum with a spinning. Yeah, this might be a YouTube thing more or an Instagram <laughs> thing more than a, yeah. a podcast. Well, maybe we'll do an Instagram spinoff of uh, of Sneaky Dragon. We'll see. That'd be fun. Yeah, and a lot of work. Are you guys uh, interested in that? Let us uh, yeah. know. Do you want to see my crazy things that I? Yeah, you want to see Dave's crazy things? Crazy stuff. That do you want to see Dave unzip? Do you remember when uh, <laughs> and see his when, crazy things? Remember when Prince put out. Uh, Around the world in a day on CD, and it came in a, a long cardboard sleeve. I have that too. There you go. Ask, ask Dave. Oh man, I hope I still have that. God, that, that might have got lost in the flip. He too. just went. He just went pale. I know. I was just thinking. <laughs> he went as pale as Prince I, playing the Joker in that Batman video. I hate that flood. Uh, yeah, boo, boo to the flood, mm. and so on and so forth. Well, what's boo? What's boo about it? Is like. <laughs> What's boo about it? Because I like, I like I, what's boo about it. I'm going to tell it. you that I am not an organized person all the time. All right. There's a lot of stuff that gets done and then doesn't get done. Like the reason that a lot of, like I lost almost all my fall records in the flood. And the reason for that was because I had pulled them all off the shelf and I'd put them on the floor because I, oh. I was going to sort through them and make a mixtape of fall stuff a long time ago, like five yeah. years ago or more. And there they sat. And then I guess... You know, everything got shifted around on the shelf and the space probably got moved and I just kind of left them there. And it was like, one day I'm going to sort through all this stuff and get these back on the shelf and, and everything. And then the flood happened. And I guess if I had realized how far it was spreading, I would have like moved all that stuff, you know, but I didn't. I was just kind of like, well, it's just in this one area, so I'm, we're okay. But it actually spread under the wall into the other rooms. So Wow. So I lost stuff in places where I didn't expect to lose stuff. And that was where things like, you know, like some racking that I'd taken down to use uh, for something else and then to put all my box sets in a pile. <laughs> so a lot of the, some of those got wrecked and just stuff like that, you know, and all of my laser discs got wrecked, and, you know, just things like that, that were like on were I mean, we, they might not have been able to pre- preserve cause they were kind of, in, it was like wire racking that was floor level almost, but I'm sorry. I didn't know that about your <sighs> laser discs. Yeah. I lost my laser discs. Oh geez. So that really sucks. All my Buster Keaton box oh, sets and stuff geez. like that. And, Buster Keaton, a hard act to follow that I had on Laserdisc. I still have the Laserdiscs because I they, yeah, but they, the they containers. Me, all the uh, all the covers are gone. Like because they offered me, they said, "Well, we could just put them into pl- plastic covers and you can get them back." And I and I was like, I would prefer that. Like I don't want to have to rebuy all my fall albums, even though now I don't have covers for them, which is kind of irksome because that's part of the, the the wonder of owning stuff is to have like the whole package. Be like, oh, I remember I bought this at Track Records used. I didn't even know who the fall were at the time and. I was just so fascinated by an album called Palace of Swords Reversed that I had to uh, buy it. You know? This really does sound like you need to do an Instagram thing <laughs> of these, for sure. Yeah, writing this down. All okay. Right. All right. Instagram. I've yep. heard about it. Yep. It's what the kids are not interested in anymore. <laughs> oh, they're not? No, uh, I guess maybe it's TikTok. I think it's TikTok. That'd be something. I think that's also, in the time it's taken for us to notice it, yeah. it's gone away, too. Yeah, so yeah. it's whatever it is. Well, you know, the thing is, like, when it goes away and when the kids move away from it, it's just left for, like, the old fogies like us. Yeah. 
And then, you know, we're our audience. So. I did, uh, for the first time, uh, went into uh, VR metaverse uh, and, and what, watched... What, the Facebook metaverse kind of thing? No, uh, well, it's both. Like, okay. if you go with the uh, Oculus, uh, you know, VR kind of system, they you can you can go into, you know, uh, metaverse. And uh, you can watch comedy shows. And I never, I had never oh. done one of those before. And it okay. was like kind of a horseshoe type environment guy sitting on a stool in the middle mm. and you're in uh the place of one of the people that would be sitting there yeah yeah and uh you can only hear the other people that are si- sort of sitting next to you mm. so you don't hear everybody's re- well you okay there's two things one there's uh actual people in the actual environment yeah and then there's a space that's just for people in VR. Mm. And then if you're there and there's other people that are there near you, you can hear them laughing. Huh. Uh, and yeah, you're just so sitting there and just doing some stand-up. And it's far from perfect. <laughs> okay. 50% making sense what this is. Yeah, like yeah. 50% there. Yeah. But you could see the rough kind of like you know, makings of, oh, it's going to be like this, is it? Mm. Once the technology gets better... This, yeah, this is legit. Like mm. you could do, you could do this, and uh, yeah, it was it was very interesting. And then you, there's other weird worlds that are completely like they're going to be made fun of in five years for how ugh, they yeah, are. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like the cooking challenges and weird little things that you mm. can do, and weird sports things you can do with people, and it's all fine. But it's clearly like we're in the oldie days, and yeah, you yeah. know, right now. But yeah, yeah. Th- that was something I always thought was. You know, yeah, you could do plays. You could like sit and watch a play and you could be in different seats in the house and see a show. And, you know, you've got like kind of the laughter of the people around you. Yeah, you could do this. You know, the technology will get to the point where it makes sense. Yeah, it was interesting. The guy's stand up wasn't great. <laughs> but I uh, guess they had to choose someone who's pretty, pretty bland because, you know, you're, you're not trying to like win people over. You're more. Maybe. Yeah. I also went to an open mic night uh in in the metaverse like a little while ago yeah where which was very strange because it was just regular people but you could go up to the microphone that was at the front and and get the attention and you're you're all floating torsos so you've got arms but you don't have any legs so there's a lot of things like hey how many people here and people would raise their hands okay well and like you know you can hear some people laughing around you it's like this is odd this is (laughs) like your ghosts like your ghosts with unfinished business and you've got to do stand-up and it's very dreamlike and all right we're almost there we're almost to where this is going in 10 years this is going to be quite interesting Mm, for sure yeah 10 years you'll just be slapping on your glasses in the living room and and you're going to be at a concert i don't know well, I'm, I'm sure you will. Like, I'm sure the, I'm sure s- there'll be some variation on that. I oh, can't no, no. see it. I, 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 but it won't I be, it won't be great for you because you like concerts. I like concerts. Yeah. I like yeah. the experience of being in the place, which is weird because I don't like live albums at all. I hate live albums, but I love going to concerts because it's different, right? When you're sure. in the concert, you're part of the, you're part of the moment. It doesn't matter that everyone's playing the greatest hits faster. That's fine. That's part of the live experience, but I don't want to experience that on a record. That's that's not the moment anymore. That's someone else's moment that you're just you're just sort of eavesdropping on. Yeah, that's not so fun to me. I'm more of a I prefer studio to live. There, I said it. Sue me. He did. He he said it. <laughs> I had I had a weird sorry to talk about VR experiences, but there was a thing uh, on the on the VR. Yeah. 
that was called uh, I looked up this thing it was like you know uh, best five free things you have on VR I'm like all right I'll do free things <laughs> one's sure. called bait where you're fishing and it's like that's pretty good yeah. um but one was called like just like no star- mosquitoes that's a good part about it Oh, that no, you actually get it even worse. Oh, is there right? more mosquitoes? Yeah. And I don't know how they infect you, but they do, and it's a very bad reaction. Or maybe I should just clean my mask. Yeah. Um, but there was one that was like called uh, starting up or starting steps or something okay. like that. And yeah, it was just showing you all the things you can do, like make a paper airplane. Now fly that paper airplane. Now oh. Take this. Now plug this in. Now do this. And one of them was like, hey, you want to dance? I'm like, I don't want to dance. Well, put put this music on. All right, put some music on. I turn around. There's a robot behind me. Oh, there's a robot who's kind of mimicking what I'm dancing, and he's kind of like, all right, that's that's fine. And then it's like, okay, well, I guess we're dancing together. This is all right. We're dancing. This is fine. It's exercise. I'm justifying it as exercise. I'm doing a lot of exercise with the VR now. Yeah, yeah. And then at one point, he's like, spin me. I'm like, okay. And you grab the hands of the robot, and you're dancing, and then. Give him a little spin, and he goes for a spin. I'm like, oh, this is weird. I, oh, I'm used to killing you guys. I don't know about, don't know about dancing with you. This is a very strange yeah, feeling. Traitor. Yeah, like I could actually see this for people who are lonely, being like, this is not too bad. Like you're actually like, you could you could be like dancing with, huh? Mm. Wait, you could also do this with an actual person. You know, if if they were in here and you were connected, you could. Oh, wait. And, of course, there's other things that could probably happen. Um, <sighs> and then we're like, you know what? I'm going to go back to the shooting games. I went back to shooting games. Kill robots. Don't dance Yeah, kill robots. Don't dance. Don't dance with them while they go, hey, how are you? Making eye contact with me. Like, oh, I don't know. I'm having strange feelings. I... A, uh, 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 <sighs> well, you, you don't pick your fetish, I guess. You just find it out when you're in your do, mid-50s. Do you come here often? <laughs> I was born here. I will die here. <laughs> That's right. Existential robot. Yeah. Afterwards, I'll show you the, because um, you did the uh, the plank game mm-hmm. once upon a time. Uh, there's a new level to it. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Is that right? Called the canyon. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll see what, you, see what you think of that. Oh, cool. Um, mentioned earlier, uh, to a little bit of uh, sad news. Uh, kind of a, a mutual acquaintance of ours, uh, yes. Guy McPherson. We were on his show, and I'm sure many many of our listeners listen to that sh- listen to our appearance on that anyway. Yeah, on our Facebook page, I have uh, put up our appearance on that. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. So that's 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 quite nice. Yeah, and that was a, it again. That, that was, was a fun, fun. Yeah, it was a fun a fun, fun night. He seemed as interested in talking about the Beatles as anything else. In that. I remember talking about the Beatles and the Beach Boys for some reason. He was. Wanted to have a competition over who was better. Well, he's, uh, yeah, he was a big music guy. His mm. father was Fraser McPherson. That's right. He's a famous jazz musician. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, he just wrote a book about uh, his father, and I'm forgetting the name of it, but it, I think it's coming out shortly. Mm. So mm. that's uh, that's something, you know, definitely people who are into that should, uh, should pick yeah. up. Everything you wanted to know about sax, but were afraid to ask. Oh, my God, that is, he would have enjoyed that joke. <laughs> He would not have enjoyed my anti-jazz jokes. <laughs> no. I'm like, why? Why do you have to put down jazz? Because like, it's fun. It's about the jokes I don't say. But he was both a, uh, you know, the critic kind of for the Georgia Strait for, yes, for comedy. He would also interview mm-hmm. any of the big shot comedians that would come into town. Yep. He was the only person Sarah Silverman would let interview her in Vancouver. Wow. And yeah, uh, yeah they just got along really, really mm-hmm. well. He was, very, he was a very... Um, 
Uh, like I say, I guess I would say observant, but it was not that was the word I was trying to look for. But he was just a very good, had a very good eye for comedy mm-hmm. and very good, like critical insight into comedy and how comedy works. And stuff, I think you know. his, I think his for love a person of, who wasn't like hugely funny, if you met him, like he, he didn't tend to no. tell a lot of jokes. He was very serious. He was a good but, straight guy, though. He was a good straight he guy. He would set up people well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, huge fan of Norm MacDonald and, uh, his wife, uh, when she was like making the announcement, said that he wanted to borrow one of Norm's bits mm-hmm. at the end about, uh, you know, uh, with the idea of like the brave fight with cancer mm. and, uh, and how, you know, you got to remember that, you know, in this fight with cancer, cancer died too. So <laughs> technically it was a tie. <laughs> it's a That's very good, good Norm MacDonald bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, uh, I think like, he approached it uh, a lot like music. Like the rhythm and structure, and and yeah. something that I I really admired about him was he was never starstruck. Like he was, he would just interview people, and mm-hmm. he would just be that same yeah. calm level, Pretty no dry, matter who he was yeah. talking to. Yeah, very dry, yeah. very matter of fact, but well informed. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of my favorite episodes of his show, which was called "What's So Funny," and most of those are, avail- are available still on like wherever you get your podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, were with him and Cliff Nesteroff. Okay, and uh, you know just spilling old comedy stories and he would love to hear about the old comedy guys and jack carter yeah, yeah. freaking out things and <laughs> and if you ever wanted to hear real deep dives about the vancouver and canadian just canadian comedy scene his uh, interviews with harry dupe were fantastic mm-hmm. and they really really go like crazily deep that no one cares about this stuff at all <laughs> different guy except for guy and except guy for cares. me and yeah. except for you know this real <laughs> handful of people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, no, his show was really good, and uh, he was a very nice person. It really is very sad, obviously, very sad to lose someone like that. Because, you know, the, the scene... He's the com- not replaceable in this. He's not so replaceable, though. and the comedy scene in Vancouver is a fragile thing, you know. It's not, it's not, there's not, never been, like, a super strong comedy scene here. There's been lots of good comedians, mm-hmm. but in terms of, like, venues and things like that, it's always been pretty, you know, t- it's a tough area to, it's a tough city to to have things like that in, you know, because it's just... It's an expensive place. We're a place where people come and practice and then leave. Yeah, that too. That's right. It's a launching pad more than a place where you stay. And uh, yeah, it's sad that someone who was such a key part of the scene is, has left us. That's my feeling. Right. So I'm going to say, uh, listen, if you can, to... First of all, go to our Facebook page. Maybe we'll put up the, the yeah, interview. Yeah, I'll, I'll put the link on the website too. Uh, so give that a listen. And if you like his interviewing style, that's his style with everybody. <laughs> you know, he's got a really that's good right. interview with Norm MacDonald. You're not sure if he likes you. That's always his. <laughs> there is a little of that too. Yeah. Yeah, he's just this real, yeah, but man, fearless, fearless cat. Um, uh, big base, uh, sorry, basketball fan would mm. like have, kind of pick up games with a lot of comedians okay. you know pro yeah. and am in the in the city as well so. yeah that's true actually he, he also like hockey you'd have a lot of yeah hockey opinions and and uh that was i followed him on twitter so i always uh i always enjoyed him sort of jumping in on people's <laughs> people's conversations and stuff because he was the kind of person who would ask a question that maybe you were thinking but were, didn't think you should maybe ask the guy had no problem. Yeah, he had no problem asking. <laughs> I'm not going to say the dumb questions, but the kind of potentially embarrassing questions. Yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah pe- and so he actually got places with mm-hmm. uh, interviews that mm-hmm. uh, other people would not. Yeah, who were trying yeah. to be cool. It was never cool. Yeah, except but the fact that he was cool. He was cool in a yeah. jazzy way. <laughs> he was cool. A, yeah, I think when your dad is one of the coolest people in the world, mm. you just go, "I can't be cool," and so you don't be cool, <laughs> and that's all right, and that makes you sure. better. Because who wants to be cool? 
cool. Ugh. Except for Dave. Dave wants to be cool. But uh, you know what I'm saying. Not true. All right. So check out links uh, that we're going to, you know, check out that episode. If you like that, listen to more things. And also just Google his name and uh, comedy and you'll get some great interviews from the Georgia Strait that uh, that he did as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You know who else died? No. Uh, today, uh, Carl Weathers. I'm sure I didn't know that. I was at least I were talking about him. Why? Uh, and I want to hear what you were saying, but I'll tell my story real fast, sure. and we'll clear it out for your better story. <laughs> That's no better story. Uh, once upon a time, I was auditioning for Happy Gilmore. Okay. And I was at my second audition because Will Sasso got the first one. <laughs> I could have had that Will Sasso role. Yeah. And Will Sasso got it because. He's great. <laughs> he's a great, amazing talent. Yes. And, uh, of course, he's going to get it because he's amazing. And he's, uh, you can now watch uh, his TV show, um, Louder Milk, on uh, Netflix. Oh, is that him? Yeah, he's uh, the best friend in that. Yeah, okay, because like it's a, got Mike uh, Guy, that guy from the office. <laughs> from office uh, yes. Office space. It's office guy, Mike guy. Also, That's how they pitch or it. Or, you know, if you're, maybe if you're a lady, you might know him as Burger from Sex and the City. Oh, there you are. I don't know his actor's name off the top of my head. I apologize. Uh, I think he was also... Am I wrong? Was he in uh, Early Edition? Was that him as well? Early Edition, I don't know. Early Edition was the one where the guy got the newspaper a day early and like oh. it was delivered by a cat, and so he saw it was going to happen the next day. And then he, <laughs> a cat? He tried, well, there was always a, an orange cat that was there. Oh, okay. And then he'd like try to make things uh, right. Like you'd see, like, this person got hit by a car. Mm. You know, oh, well, I better stop him from being hit by a car. And then, you know, things occur. And he gets okay. the early edition and he has to like fix the world. Yeah. I think that's him. And if not, it's a guy who looks a lot like him. Sure. But Will Sasso, anyway, stole my damn role. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm, I'm auditioning for another role. Yeah. Oh, please, please. Be, bro, I need to pay the rent. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'm around some fancy pantsy actors in Vancouver. Sure. Like fancy McGancy actors. All right. You'll see them in your uh, Vancouver playhouses. They are men for all seasons. They I are see. the men who came to dinner. They are, you know, all <laughs> those. All the president's men. I don't know who they are. Yeah, yeah. They're someone. All those different They're places. 12 angry men. They're, all, all of them. They're all the men. They're all the men. Uh, and anyway, right before, as I'm coming in, I'm like, hey, uh, Carl Weathers is going to audition. He's going oh. in. And I'm like, was that Carl Weathers? And they're like, yeah. And like, they weren't impressed. Mm. And I was like, wow. It's like, what? What's the big deal about Carl Weathers? Like, well, you know, he's, uh, you know, Rocky and, uh, you know, and like Action Jackson. I'm saying that <laughs> kind of sort of sarcastically, but also I liked Action Jackson fine. And they're like, Ugh, yeah, if you like that kind of thing. And I thought, like, oh, you bunch of snobs. You annoying snobs. And so it made me happy that uh, not only did he get the role, but it was one of those roles that, like, later in life, he was always happy when people would uh, quote and uh, bring up because he, he liked the idea of being a funny guy. <laughs> and uh, my wife Pia uh, mentioned to me that she heard a good story about him where when he was uh, auditioning for Arrested Development, they they were really happy to see him there and went, oh yeah yeah no you're hired we'll figure out you know your role and and uh they were going to do a rocky kind of parody with him and david cross and uh he he just casually mentioned you know i do a lot of rocky stuff but i just want to i just want to do something else it's like you know it'd be real funny if like uh you know, just maybe cheap or something and uh, yeah that'd be fun anyway but whatever you want to do is fine 
And so they went back to the writer's room and said, yeah, he doesn't want to do the Rocky thing. He just wants to be cheap. And they went, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and so they just made him really cheap. So yeah. it was Carl Weathers acting classes. And he'd always be telling you, you know how you save money on set? You put a bunch of muffins in your pocket. You put them all, all the muffins you can get in your pocket. You really cram them in there. And like every time he came up, he would like be stealing something or he'd be like doing something like that. Yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, it was great. He was yeah. right. And also he came up with the idea. So he was delighted by that. Mm. So that was like, you know, a couple of things he was the happiest about like later in life was people would quote Arrested Development to him or Happy Gilmore to him and yeah. they'd laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was just so nice. Sure. So he really enjoyed what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he is, has a connection here to Vancouver because he played on the BC Lions mm. in from uh, two seasons, 71 to 73. Uh, I think he was signed. I don't think he, I think he went undrafted, but he ended up going to the Oakland Raiders. Right. For a year, then he was released by them and he came up here and played, which was a common career trajectory for players of a, you know, who were not quite good enough for the NFL would kind of come up to the CFL or not to say they're not good enough that their, their talents work better in the CFL style of play than it so, worked in the so NFL. So when was style he with the BC Lions? Like 71 to 73. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't He's too... a linebacker. Okay. So like three years after that, he got Rocky. Was was he? Uh, or when was Rocky? Seventy five, seventy seven, seventy six, maybe seventy six. Well, this is the kind of thing that can be answered by a computer. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's take a look. Maybe it was later. Maybe seventy eight. Really? No, I'm thinking seventy six. I'm saying seventy six. So That's my guess. All right. I don't. I don't know. What do I know from dates? That's All right. Question. So Rocky was nineteen seventy six. That's what I said. All right. Fine. Woo. Everybody, Baby. calm on. down over here. High five, Everybody Dave. High five myself. Calm down. Now down I'm low, going. Dave. Down low. Okay. Fist bump. All right. Let's Ouch. see. Uh, so, film wise. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. All right. So the the first uh, movie that he did was uh, Magnum Force. Okay, that's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, then Friday, written by written by John Milius Malias Malola. He was uh, uncredited in that one. Ah. Uh, then Friday Foster, then Bucktown. Friday Foster. That's a. Uh, let me just say that is a uh, Pam Greer movie. It's a black exploitation film. Okay, I'm going. Okay, here's. A, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm mixed up with another one of her. I like doing trivia with you, so I'm going to do some trivia oh, with okay. you. Okay. So right. it's not Pam Greer, is what you're saying? I don't know. Okay. I don't care because I'm going to tell you <laughs> weird trivia here. Okay. All right. So he was in a uh, 19. Okay. So let's just say this. Uh, so in between Rocky and Rocky Two, all right, I'll tell you that much. Sure. Uh, he did a Steven Spielberg movie. What was that? He did a Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, between... he had a little part in a Steven Spielberg movie. I'll even tell you the year 76. if you want me to. Seventy-seven. Actually, well, it's gonna be seventy-seven because seventy-eight was uh, Rocky Two. So seventy-seven would have Rocky to be... Two was uh, seventy-nine. Oh, was it that late? Okay, Sorry. I thought it was Sorry to throw that. Yeah. But anyway, seventy-seven. So it's gonna be um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yep, he was an MP officer in that. Oh, neat. That was quite neat. All right. Uh, in what nineteen seventy-eight movie huh? did he play Sergeant Olin Weaver? Nineteen seventy-eight movie. Did he play yeah. Sergeant? Olin Weaver was it coming home? It was a it was a four word title. Four word title. Second word was number ten. Second word was is number ten. Yeah, and it's a four word title. Blank ten, blank blank. Oh, the number ten. So something yeah. ten. Oh, so something force ten. Yeah, keep going. Finish it off. <laughs> force ten from from where? And Tebby? No, no? Navarone. Yes. Okay, sorry. I got okay. close. Very nice. All right. 
So that was where he played Sergeant Olin Weaver. We're going to bump up his rank now. Oh, okay. What movie then did he play Colonel Al Dillon? Yes. What movie did he play Colonel yep. Al Dillon? What movie? What year was it? Give me a year here. I'll give you a year. Uh, 87. 87? Yeah. He'd be bumped down to Sergeant in his next role. Was it? Was this a movie with Sylvester Stallone? Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, no. No. Okay. Is it a Clint Eastwood movie? Uh, it is not. Shoot. Uh, but you're right that there is a bigger star. Well, yeah, he's not going to be the... Yeah. 87. Play the sergeant. It's a one-word title. One-word title? Oh, darn it. It's had a bunch of sequels. It's even had a prequel. Really? Yes. 87. It had a recent prequel. Predator? Yes. Duh. Duh. feel embarrassed now that I didn't think of that. Yep. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. So, yes, indeed... <clears throat> he was in Happy Gilmore in 1996. Wow, co-star, played, co-starring Ian Boothby. Uh, there you go. Uh, he played Derek Chubbs Peterson. <laughs> okay. He also played Derek Chubbs Peterson uh-huh. in a movie in 2000. Okay. What was that movie? Is it another Adam Sandler movie? It is. 2000. Is that Big Daddy? Nope. Man, I'm just going to go through... <laughs> Adam Sandler films. I've never... You know how many Adam Sandler films I've seen? Oh, The Water Boy. Nope. Fuck. Because uh, that would be the natural, right? The Water sure, Boy. Sure, That seems proper. Yeah. Is it a sports-related one? Uh, no. No, it's not. 2000. Year 2000. It's the Wedding he Singer? He plays Derek Chubbs Peterson. Again. And he plays... Yeah, he plays the same, same character. character. Now, do you remember Happy I don't remember, Gilmore? I don't remember... No, I... I've, do you remember what I've happens to him in Happy Gilmore? No. I'll tell you this much. Okay. Gets killed by an alligator. Oh. In Happy Gilmore. Oh, so it's going to be Little Nicky. Yes. Thanks for the hint. You, I was thinking Little Nicky, then I was like, no, that can't be Little Nicky. But who can remember when Adam Sandler movies came out? All right. Besides that uh, Newman, Griffin Newman on uh, Blank Check. He's the only one you can remember. All right. Him so, alone. So how about this? Okay. All right. Uh, in 2019. 2019. He was in Toy Story 4. Okay. And Playing, he was a toy yeah. called Combat Blank. What was the character's name? So it wasn't Combat Joe. Nope. Combat Carl? Yes. That's absolutely right. <laughs> I'm having fun with this. Okay. And that's why we're going to keep going with this nonsense. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, man. He the played push, a character yeah. in 1975. 75. Okay. On TV. I'm now going to TV. Okay. Called Stolar. Stolar. Stolar okay. yeah. on a television series yeah. that we were talking about earlier. Okay, so Bionic Man. Yeah, or, you're right. Six Million Dollar Man. He played Stolar. <laughs> okay. That's that's absolutely correct. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, let's go with... Oh, man, there's so many good 70s shows he, he was I'm on. I'm glad that he worked a lot. Like, let me just, yeah. While you're looking at that, let me just tell you. So Eric Please, McCormick uh, fr- of Will and Grace... Uh, was directed by Carl Weathers because Carl Weathers also went into direct- directing uh, TV shows and stuff like that. And so there's one uh, before he, so Eric McCormick was up for Will and Grace. He had gone, he had been being auditioned for it, but in the meantime, he did a, a six episode series here in Vancouver about a about a guy who is a is a a kind of mole in the police force. Okay. He is not a policeman, but he's pretending to be a policeman. He's like, uh, to get information or whatever. And so there's a scene in the show where he has to walk downstairs and pull his gun. Mm-hmm. And so McCormick thought, well, you know, he's not really a policeman, so he wouldn't really know what he's doing. So he went kind of clumsily down the stairs, bumping into the walls. <laughs> and then when he gets to the bottom, he 
pulls out his gun and then drops it. And Carl Weathers like, what are you doing, man? Goes, well, I just thought he'd, uh, you know, be kind of clumsy because he's not used to. He's a policeman. A policeman's not going to lose his gun. Do it properly. I said, well, he's right because he's supposed to be. He may not be a great policeman, but he is a good mole play, playing a role. So he's not going to f that up. You know, he's got a job to do, and his he job is to, job be, to, do. to be a policeman. Anyway, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to 75 in a second, but I'm gonna just go real quick to uh, to. Uh, uh, from 2019 to 2023. Okay, pretty recent. He, pl- he was on a TV series. Oh, really? Yeah, and he played a character called Grief. Grief. That's his first name. Okay. His last name. Yeah. Karga. Grief Karga. That's his name. What TV show did he do from 2019 to 2023 last year? <laughs> nominated for a primetime Emmy. Really? For outstanding guest actor in a drama series. Wow. Also, Grief Karga. Uh, it looks like oh, he directed. He directed two episodes of the series. Oh, good for him. Yeah, he directed uh, an episode called The Siege. Yeah, and an episode called The Foundling. That's a real clue. That second one. Is it The Boys? It is not The Boys. Oh shoot! It is a streamer, though. You're right. <laughs> okay. That part. It's a very popular oh, streamer. I don't. Is it really a popular? Oh, one? it's very popular. Oh, I'd say it's one of the most popular, if not the most popular streamer yeah yeah but it went to 23 so From 2019 so it can't be game of thrones 2000 and uh, it's not game of thrones though is it this sure is not what's the popular it's more popular than game of thrones i would say i it's think so. more popular. I, I think so maybe not maybe hbo is more popular it's not on hbo it's not on hbo though no so it's like a netflix show you think oh, stranger things it's not on netflix oh, it's not on netflix god damn it a foundling the foundling that's a character that's mostly about a foundling that's your big clue yeah it's not a clue though because i don't know what you're talking about okay uh so it's a foundling character yep it's a big show it's very popular There's sieges obviously because he directed sieges. an episode called the yeah, siege yeah so it's got some military stuff in it and it's got some foundling stuff in it foundling is one of the leads yeah Grief Karga. Very popular show. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's The Mandalorian. Ah, oh, duh. I forgot he was in it. But yes, I remember him. Because yeah. he was the friend of The Mandalorian. He's the guy who like supports yeah. him all the time. Yeah, so much so that he directed <sighs> two episodes and was nominated for an Emmy for it. Good for him. Good for him. Okay, 1975 is the year oh, he was like on. I mean, that's such a, that is such a Star Wars name, by the way. Yeah. Grief Karga. Yeah, there's a lot of people screaming at the uh, podcast. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, guys. All right. Hope you didn't hurt your voice. Uh, so... Uh, 1975, he appeared in a sitcom. Mm. Uh, one episode, he played Calvin Brooks in an episode called The Nude. And this was a sitcom in 1975. And it was, uh, do you want to just start from there and just like take a guess? So 1975, it's a TV sitcom. Popular, a very popular sitcom in yeah. 1975. And, and it's an episode called The Nude. And he plays a character called Calvin Brooks. Yeah. One time appearance, only on the show once. Yeah. What kind of show would cast would cast Carl Weathers yes. <laughs> in his one in his first appearance on television? Yeah, in a nude character in seventy five. I don't know. Is it okay. San, Sanford and Son? It is not Sanford and Son. It is a spinoff of All in the Family. Of uh, the Jeffersons? It is not. It's not the Jeffersons. Oh, oh, Good Times. Yes. Damn it! I was trying to think of shows that had a, a black cast because I figured that would be more what he'd. Yeah. I was thinking All in the Family, but then I thought, no, no, it can't be All in the Family. This is uh-huh. uh, procedural. A procedural show, police procedural show. Okay, type police. I would say you know. Yeah, yeah. It's crime. It's solving crimes. Sure, solving crimes. Okay, 
his character was Daily Chronicle reporter Dan. Dan. The okay. episode title is The Hero. Okay. What, what year is it from, sorry? 1975. These are all oh, 1975. Oh, 75. 75. He did four uh, things. One four was appearances. Six Million Dollar Man. Yeah. Good Times. And this one. Yeah. What, what was Beretta. This? What's that? Beretta. It's a one title. It's a, definitely a one title show. Uh, okay. Colombo. You got the first letter right. <laughs> okay. 1975. How old are you in 1975? Uh, 75, I was in grade three. Grade three. Yeah. You go, you turn on your TV. Yep. I wouldn't it's be allowed. It's eight o'clock at night. Wouldn't be, I had to be in bed by this point, but okay. uh, in grade, right. grade three, I wouldn't, wouldn't have been up at eight. But You uh, want to watch this action-packed thing? Yeah. Well, let me, I'll give you a clue. Sure. The person who's doing it wasn't great at all the action-packed parts of okay. these scenes. Okay. Okay. You don't get a long fight with this guy. <laughs> Takes oh, care canon. of... It's canon. canon. Yeah, he was canon. He was in canon. <laughs> okay. I can't tell you the title of this, as in like the title of the episode. Mm. I can say that the title of the episode was The Brothers and then blank. Okay. Um, But he played in this, he played Bad Sam. Bad Sam. Bad Sam. Yeah. And this was uh, an action drama. In 75. 1975. He'd done good times. He'd done canon. He'd done Six Million Dollar Man. But the year wasn't over. Yeah. He hadn't moved on now to doing Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. He hasn't moved on to doing Barnaby Jones. But he went the next year. I'll tell you that much for free. Okay. And then then after that, Quinn Martin's Tales of the Unexpected. Sure. The year is still 1975. Yeah. And he's in another show. Yeah. uh, An action drama. Action drama. Is it? Bad Sam. Bad (laughs) Sam. Is it Ironsides? It is not. Okay. I'm going to tell you this much. All right. This is a big clue. Okay. It's a period piece. Oh, it's a period piece. Yeah. Oh, 1975. It does not take place in 1975. It's a period piece. 75 show that was a period piece. That's an action drama. Action drama. Bad Sam. <laughs> period piece. Was it a military? It was not a military thing. Okay. It had a reboot uh, that shot in Vancouver, actually, years ago. Is it a Western? Like, what period is it? It's Western Times, sure. Okay. Let's go Western Times. Okay. So but it's not necessarily a Western. Not a Western, though. There but... are Western people in it. You might see a cowboy. Mm. Sure. Mm. Hmm. But the lead character is not a cowboy. Okay. Period. But there's a lot of action in it. Ah. At least a couple of action scenes an episode. Okay. Hmm. So was the actor in the show, was were they formerly like a movie star that kind of graduated downwards into TV? Wow, that's a funny question. They're a person who has definitely did movies afterwards. Oh. Did movies fairly recently. Let's okay. see. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good question you were asking. Uh, so let me take a look. Uh, all right. I'm looking up the filmography of this character and before 1975. Okay, I'll tell you this much. Okay. Uh, that char- the, the actor who's the lead guy yeah. was in Mean Streets. Does that help you? Does it help you that they were in Boxcar Bertha? Oh, so it's uh, Kung Fu. Yes, it is. Huh. David David Carradine. Yeah, he was in uh, that. Huh. Cool. Oh, I just saw a movie with David Carradine in it. It's an old one. What movie was that? Oh, that was um, Little Murders. The uh, Oh, all right. Nice. Film directed by Ellen Arkin from a screenplay by Jules Pfeiffer. Starring Elliot Gould, who, I did not know this, was married to Barbara, Barbara Streisand. Oh. Did you know he was married to Barbara Streisand and they had a, a child together? Not at all. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's very, very crazy. Yeah, they're married for like seven years through the sixties. I was watching. Speaking of Alan Arkin, uh-huh. I was watching a, a Kevin Pollak uh, interview with uh, Doctor Z, 
Have you seen Hanging with Dr. I've Z? I've watched Dr. Z many times, yeah. Okay. So he's, uh, he's or Doctor Z, as I like to say. Oh, but fair enough. Uh, I I I go with what he tells me because <laughs> it's his name. Uh, but he did an impression of uh, Alan Arkin and uh, and Alan Arkin. Pollock did a Pollock did a uh, Kevin Pollock did an impersonation of, of Alan Arkin. It's yeah. a very good impression. Yeah, and uh, he said like he had to change his impression. As Clouseau. <laughs> No, though that would be interesting. Uh, he had to change his impression because when he did his original impression, Alan Arkin went, "Oh, I got to stop doing that." So he stopped doing this thing that he do- that he that he regularly did, yeah. and it had to change up the the impression. Oh, really? Because he corrected something that uh, Alan Arkin found. Yeah, that's annoying uh, that he did. <laughs> that Alan Arkin did. Yep. He just didn't like it as a. Yeah, he didn't like it as like, oh, that's what people think I sound like. I better knock that off. So mm. he knocked it off. And he has knocked it off. And so now uh, Kevin Pollock had to change his impression. Oh, interesting. It's still a good impression, but yeah, yeah. yeah, change it. And that was, I'll just tell it to you. It was just, it was stammering. Oh, okay. Because he used to do a lot of stammering. And I went, see. Oh, I don't want people to think I'm a stammerer. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, now he... Uh, he took that out. He took it out. I'll have to watch. I haven't finished Little Murders. I started watching it. I'll have to see when he's in it if he stammers in his role. We, we uh, mentioned as well Cliff Nesteroff. Uh, he's on an, you know, as I said, this episode of, uh, never not funny. And in it, he does, uh, an impression of Albert Brooks. Okay. It's really good. Oh, wow. So good that at the end of the show, everyone just goes, those are great impressions, by the way. And he's like, <laughs> what? I don't do impressions. Yeah, you do. That was an amazing conversational Albert Brooks. Oh, okay. And he's like, he's right. No, I, 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 no, I don't, I don't do that at all. Uh, and then it's like, yeah, you do. Okay, I'll do you one more uh, trivia question then. For Carl Weathers. Carl uh, Weathers, everyone. R. Carl R. Weathers. All right. Uh, David Carradine, uh, when he was doing Kung Fu yeah. in 1975, yes. took a little break uh, to work on a movie. Uh, yes, about... Uh, about um, what was the movie in 1975? It's pa- Paths of... No, something Glory, something Road to Glory, Train... Oh, you're close. To close. You're right. Shoot, you're it's the, the right. It's the... Bi- biography of of Woody Guthrie. Oh no no no! You're thinking oh, okay. Bound for Glory. That oh, was Bound the for next Glory, yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, that was Hal Ashby. Everyone, Hal Ashby. Yeah. But there was something road related. Oh okay. Not it wasn't titled Road, but you're oh. correct in saying that something to do with the road. Oh okay. With uh, 1975. Yes. What was uh, what was the movie that he uh, did there? It was an it was kind of an action horror. Yeah yeah I know the one you mean. It's uh, Death Race 2000. That's correct. Directed by. Oh very good. Paul Bartel. Okay, and his character name was. Frankenstein. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Why do I know that? It's sad. Well, it's not sad. It's silly that no, I know that. No, one day you'll have a podcast and be able to use all this trivia. That's true, I will. People will be amazed that, that I knew knew these things about 1970s. As they're like sitting by their... Uh, I never watched... With their Kung headphones on going like, Jeez. You didn't get the Mandalorian, but you got Kung Fu? Yeah. That we take so long that they've now looked it up themselves. <laughs> uh, truncate silence will make me sound much snappier with my answers. Yeah, it'll just go immediately to I don't know. <laughs> what the, no what idea. The F? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go to our letters. Oh, uh, okay. Thing, if, if you, that's if okay. you insist. Cool. I like I like hearing. Oh, from I was listeners. wondering why Malcolm McDowell was on your screen there, and I realized. Oh, yes, because we had the the trailer for because I like Caligula. my pornography interrupted by about <laughs> an hour and 15 minutes of just random movie <laughs> real violent random movie uh, so we asked a couple of questions like what relative was a big influence on you and what is a documentary you would recommend because we're a classy show we're a classy and let me just uh, a capital K we, yeah K stands for class I'm, do, I'm doing a refresh just to make sure oh good 
Because, you know, sometimes you don't refresh and then all of a sudden you feel like a real knob. <laughs> okay, here we go. We got a couple of letters that I like a lot. One is from Louise, our friend Louise. Louise. What's a week without Louise? A bad week is a what I week. say. A bad week, that's true. Um, if there are any ballet fans out there. Yes, I re- me. Oh, well, that's on point. <laughs> huh? uh, okay, anyway. Yeah. Would you like to know uh, how I feel about it? Because that would be the second position. Huh? There's another dancer. Okay, we're fine. Um, if there's any ballet fans, out you there, are barred from any more jokes about huh? Bella Ballet. Okay, so you know, I th- thought I went too too far. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if there are any oh, ballet fans out there, I recommend First Position, which is a 2011 documentary about six young dancers from around the world preparing for the uh, Youth American Grand Prix yeah. for dancers aged nine to nineteen. Mm. That sounds like the old uh, uh, board games that were all from 9 to 99. So if grandma, f- Grandpa's 100, tell him to fuck off. A lyric from the, uh, the Christmas song. From kids from 9 to 19. Although it's been said many times, many ways. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Dave, Dave brought out a very tiny ventriloquist dummy from his pocket. It was disturbing. Merry Christmas <laughs> to He's now doing uh, senior wenches style. <laughs> it's all right. Close the box. Spin the plates. Uh, so it was from dancers from 9 to 19. The subjects were from different ethnic and economic backgrounds. And what struck me was how driven and dedicated they were at such a young age. It's in the same vein as the documentary Spellbound uh, from 2002 about kids competing in the script's national spelling bee. There's an inherent drama in the genre since the producers themselves don't know if... Uh, which, if any, of the subjects uh, they're following are going to emerge the winner. So that, again, is First Position, 2011. It sounds really good. It does. I have not seen it. I would like to see that. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to take uh, that advice. That's what I'm going to do. i got streaming services. It must be on one of them. It, <laughs> it must be. be. It's probably on Canopy. All right. Or Canopy. Edward Dragansky starts with a sentence that uh, I never thought I'd hear. Nice conversation about Herb Trimpey. Yeah, you don't really expect ever to hear that in your life, right? You probably don't expect to hear a conversation about Herb Trimpey, really. Yeah, you really don't. Hey, did uh, you watch the Did you watch the documentary? That's the question. Well, let me read the letter, and maybe that'll uh, come come well, out. Well, that's true. Maybe you know, we should just, read on. Just take a second here. Yeah, let me just let me sit back and listen. You're the kind of guy who watching Citizen Kane goes uh, Rosebud. Hey, what's Rosebud? <laughs> What's, uh, guys, what's Rosewood about? Hey, who knows what Rose? I'm going to look this up. Oh, it was his sled, everybody. It was his sled. Anyway, uh, I just sorry. read a, a Peanuts cartoon. Yeah, Pe- Peanuts pulled that for me long before that. This is. I'm going to get back to Edward's uh, thing in a second. Okay. Here's something that I didn't promises, know. Promises, promises. Because, like, I'm sorry, Edward. I will, honest to God, get back to your letter in just one second. Um, there is a new uh, cartoon, uh, yeah. like movie special slash yeah. thing, yeah. called Welcome Home, Franklin. That's uh, on Apple Plus that's coming. Okay. And it's about Franklin, the Peanuts character. And, you know, it's about where's Franklin come from? What's his deal? And he he makes friends with Charlie Brown and such and such. So I'm watching the trailer for this. And looks this looks charming. I'm going to check this out for sure. Yeah. And at one point, uh, they have the scene from Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving where, you know, sitting at the table and everyone's sitting. And I never realized it before. But everyone is sitting on one side except for Franklin. And Franklin's on the other side alone in a long lawn chair. And, like, Franklin's on one side of the table and all the other kids are on this side. Oh, that's weird. And it's 
fucking weird. Yeah. And and then they just take a break, to, uh, a moment to just go, hey, Franklin, come over here and join us. And Franklin like goes over to the other side and, they, and sits yeah. between them all. Yeah. And that's like something they're, they were hitting. And I was like, was that the case in the Thanksgiving special? So I looked that up. And yeah, that's been a bit of a controversy for many okay, years. Yeah, was yeah. like, they Why made they it that, that he's, well... The time that it came out, perhaps. Okay, maybe, yeah. They wouldn't want the South to get all Yeah, that. so on one side the of the table. The South will rise is, again. Yeah. Like your gorge. So uh, that uh, weirdness has been corrected in the new uh, movie. Good. Nice, nice conversation about Herb Trimpey. What? Uh, <laughs> I had a huge Hulk trade paperback before I collected any Hulk comics early on. And I remember Trimpey's work from that. Mm. I liked him on the Hulk, but I can't remember his work from much else due to the impact he had on me with Hulk. Uh, he did a couple of what if comics I've been reading uh, recently, and like, there's a lot of trimpy in that. Hmm. I compare his style to Steranko. Yep. Wow. Work more than anyone else. It was just the right amount of modern uh, flair that pushed it into the later part of the Silver Age, almost like a design more than a comic illustration. Yeah, I was I could see that in his work for sure. Yeah. When I think of both Steranko and Trimpey, I remember the amazing compositions those two used to work into their comics, almost like an ad for the comic itself. Great memories of both of those men. Can I just say, be- this, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Please. Again. Sorry to interrupt, Ed. Because uh, Steranko and Trimpey, in a way, are like first wave fandom artists. You know what I mean? Like they the ones to put the twist on because Kirby, yeah, Ditko, they were all people who came up through the forties, fifties, working in whatever was happening, whether it was Western romance comics, stuff like that. You know, through the horror fa- phase and whatnot. And Trimpey was someone who was a fan of those, like a fan of Kirby, a fan of of that those that era, and was yeah. taking that in, into into his career. You know, so you know he's like he's like the first. Yeah, he's, it's, it's sort of interesting. And Stranko is the same. That's a good way same. to describe it. Yeah, Stranko is the same. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Stranko, I think, became you know much more of a critics and fans' darling than Herb Trimpey yeah. did. But I think, that, but very similar when you when you yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think well Stranko is just more flashy, and I think people would agree that a lot of his like his Shield stuff because that's Stranko's thing, right? Was do those kind of agents crazy, of Shield, yeah, agents Nick Shield, Fury, the crazy agent layouts and. Almost Eisner inspired. A lot of photo, ref, not re- photo reference, but like photo images and mm, yeah, yeah, very pop art. Yeah, and so he was kind of going for something a little more flashy than what 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 Trimpey was doing. Well, was a meat and potatoes guy mm-hmm, who just mm-hmm. uh, delivered the goods. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. My uncle, the yeah, now we're back. Yes, he did, sir. <laughs> <laughs> we're back to. We're back Don't to you ever wonder? <laughs> hey, I'm popular. Uh, my uncle Don. Who is my dad's older brother and my godfather was quite the influence on me when I was young. My grandmother used to say I was more like him than my own father because my uncle Don was an artist. Hmm. I've uh, was she trying to give you clues that that was your real dad? Because I don't want to say I don't want to talk out of school. But you know, whenever if you were watching a movie and someone was to say that, I'm just uh, I'm just saying it. anyway uh, because my uncle uh, Don was an artist. Click again? I've uh, mentioned him before in writing. Yeah, Jimmy Glick said that, not me. <laughs> I've mentioned him before in writing. He was a musician and a music librarian in Chicago Chicago, for close to 40 years and never, never owned a car. Uh, and he collected comics like old Walt Disney ones. Oh, I can cool. remember. Yeah, I can remember uh, visiting Chicago early on. And my uncle Don. Da bears. <laughs> took me to some comic shops he went to. 
I was in search of uh, Lee and Kirby run on the Fantastic Four at the time. I remember uh, saying to him that I was looking for issues from 1967, which seemed like such a long time ago at the time. He laughed and replied, <laughs> that was only 10 years ago. Those comics aren't that old. This coming from a man who had a collection of Disney comics from the decades before that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. Back when uh back when Mickey Mouse would just take out a gun and just start shooting everyone that looked at him cross eyed. <laughs> that was more the newspaper strip. I don't know that if the comics true. were the same. Like, I'm depressed. I'm just gonna kill myself <laughs> for a week. I'll try and kill myself. <laughs> uh my uncle introduced me to classical music and old radio dramas like the Superman series. Uh we bonded uh as uh, artists of like minded fandom over many years. Uh, into his 90s, I still hear from him. He writes stories about his family and always sends me a copy. This is great. That's great. I send him restored uh, family photos. Pardon me. I fix in Photoshop for his genealogy uh, he does with Dad. Occasionally, he'll send me a drawing of Donald Duck that he drew in art class with a, How's this? Am I good enough? <laughs> Again, this from a man with an amazing Disney knowledge of comics who still takes art classes in his 90s wow. and still plays music. He still has never owned a car. Well, yeah. he lives in Chicago. 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 Uh, they, got the, they got the, whatever they call it, the L. Sure. The elevated train. Yeah, it's a little creepy. A little rickety. Why? Looks Why? Like, Is it, oh, you've been on it. I've been on it. And it looks, looks great like, in Newhart. Sure. Lorenzo Music wrote this music. Is that why his name is music? No. Okay. There is a documentary that was on HBO back in 2018 called The Price of Everything. It shocked me, saddened me, and I cried as I watched it unfold. I know I've mentioned it to you before, but if you've never seen the documentary, please find it and watch. Director Nathaniel Kahn shows us the world uh, of both working artists and art dealers and how caustic it can get when they collide. It's insane that I learned, uh, it's insane what I learned from this and the fate of the working fine artists in the world today, Hmm. what dealers uh, can do with their art. Uh, And he included a trailer to get us started here. So there you go. Give that a thing. Give that a look. I'll give, I will give that a look. Okay. And now here we go. Is it is the trailer, is it called I Love Herb Trimpy? No. Oh. No, it's not. And uh, we got a little request from, from here saying, uh, say a prayer for me, guys. I have an 11-year-old pup who may not make it through the weekend. So oh. here we go again. He's been the perfect example of man's best friend. And this one will be difficult. Uh, best to all fellow sneakers, hug your pets while you can. Yeah. Very, very good advice. And you're getting a, a prayer from, from me. Yeah. All yeah. our love to you, Ed. Yeah, all love to you and your your little one. And hope uh, things work out as best as they possibly can. And thank you so much for your attention and for your letter. Here we are. Done and done. And I'm folding that up and I'm putting that over there. <laughs> and realizing, of course, now that we need to come up with questions. We need to come up with questions. Which is the scramble, scramble, oh, scramble, my scramble. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> scramble, scramble. You know, we talked about the 70s. We did. And we talked uh, about kind of recent years. I'm going to ask you this. This is a really broad question. If you could live uh, uh, in, a, in a decade that wasn't this decade, what decade would you want to live in? Mm. So there we go. It's a good question. But, you know, I, I often watch movies from the 70s. For instance, okay. I was watching Little Murders the other day. And then I was also watching The Long Goodbye, which also stars Elliot Gould, the Robert Altman okay. film. The very great Robert Altman film that's in my, my personal top 10 movies. Um, and it's one thing about the 70s. Mm-hmm. What a dirty, grubby time. <laughs> <laughs> it's very brown. Everything looks, but everything's really old. Yes, it feels it's, like. It's not untrue. 
there wasn't there wasn't money the way there's money nowadays and so no one was like there's no like you know like there's still old elevators you know what i mean like things are just older then like people are still living in old places sure we've knocked all those places down now and replaced them with new glass buildings which have nicer we've, elevators. We've paved paradise. We've put we put up parking lots. We put up parking lots that are cleaner than the old parking lots. Yeah, that they, they paved over. They paved, the thing is, they paved over parking lots to put in new parking lots. Right. We didn't really pave over paradise. We just paved over more parking lots. Except in Chicago because no one drives cars. There. Chicago. That right. bears. Uh, and so, um, yeah. So what I'm saying is I'm not, I'm not really for the 70s. All right. As a decade. Even though I lived through it. And I was perfectly happy at the time. I didn't know. I didn't know what a grubby time I lived in. Okay. But looking back on it, maybe it's just the the horrible film stock they used for movies then, like Eastman Color, that's turned all turned all faded and, and kind of brown anyway. So Dave probably hates affected the 70s our, is what we're hearing. You know, yeah, I don't hate them. I lived through them. Yeah, it was a great time. I would never change that. But anyway, my question, my question. Sure, hit me. Do I have a question? Yeah, what's your question? Should I have a question? Yeah, please. I guess I'll go. I guess I'll go out of left. I don't know what I'm gonna. I'm gonna go out of left field here, everybody. I'm gonna go out of left field. My question is, well, I'm thinking about what's your favorite spinoff of a, t- of a TV show? There you go. It's favorite spinoff. We talked and, about Bionic Woman. Yeah. We talked about All in the Family and Good Times. What's your favorite right. spinoff? I mean, the Jeffersons spinoff of All in the Family. Of course, you know, at the end of the All in the Family, uh, the Jeffersons were dead, according to Dave. <laughs> That's right. And then they did yeah, the, the, the Jefferson episode. show, and you went like, "Wait a second, two part episode. Why is she? Uh, why are they back? Why are they back? And then yeah. when they, and then, um, yeah, I thought they were moving on up to that place called Heaven. Right. It was weird. And then yeah. when you, and then uh, Maude showed up, and then she died yes. at the end of the episode. And then Maude, yeah, did the show. And then di- Maude spun off Maude. Florida, uh, and then she's she's dead, and then she shows up in Good Times, and it's like, what? I thought she was dead, <laughs> and it's like they all keep dying. I think you're thinking of Florida. Mm. Hmm. Sequel to Easy Rider. <laughs> Another such nonsense. Hey, speaking of nonsense, you can write us nonsense. Mm-hmm. You can go to the website. It's called sneakydragon.com. There you will find this episode. There you will find space for your thoughts and feelings. <laughs> you can also sure. go to... what? Huh? I'm sorry. I'm laughing at thoughts and feelings. All right. You can go to Facebook. It's over there on Facebook. And we have a little uh, page there called Sneaky Dragon. And uh, that's where you can see stuff you can actually see the link to uh what's so funny and ian and my appearance on that and people in the audience asked what's so funny that's actually what happened yep. uh and then where else are we we're on x formerly twitter and you can go there and leave an x or do they call it a mark yeah that's where it marks the spot <laughs> we're on truth social you leave a mark we're on truth social there you can leave some truth but don't be social but don't be social about it and one day we'll be on Instagram, apparently. Ian wrote it down, so it has to happen. We'll be in the metaverse. We'll be in the metaverse. We'll, we'll be with me sitting on stools talking to you. We'll you. be in your Apple glasses. <laughs> yes. We'll be surrounding you on the couch. We'll be deep in our cups. Going like, what do you think about Herb Trimpy? <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, I, I gotta go. <laughs> oh, I think you'll find these glasses are impossible to take off. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Let's all watch some dinosaurs. Mm. We don't want to watch. I know what those really are. I was watching um, uh, this. What's really the fourth season? But the third, second season of the American Love on the Spectrum came out on Netflix. Okay, yeah, it's a show that we we enjoy quite a bit, and I like it because yes, you can laugh a little bit at, but you're not laughing at them. You know, it's just just the quirks of the people. You know, it's just they're just so lovable and so and so great. And the show is very kind to them, I think. And there was an episode where 
one of the characters is a lot of them, almost all of them are into cartoons and mm. fantasy in some way. It's very appealing, I guess, to, to, to their mind. And, uh, a couple of them are really in animation and they're at a Pasadena Comic Con and there is a, there's a voice actor at the Comic Con. I know it's hard to believe. Um, but they have a, they have an evil laugh off. And it's kind of fun because the one guy is quite good at, he does a, a Frank Welker evil laugh. Sure. And, uh, then the other guy who is an actual, you know, character actor does does a kind of a lot of high-pitched hyper characters i think would be his specialty he does a you know kind of a his own laugh which of course he wins the because he's very he's very good voice actor and it's just sort of fun to see yeah because he when they first come he's sitting down and then he kind of realizes oh these are you know yeah these are these people so he stands up and he's talking with them and it's a very nice exchange and they do their laugh off and it's quite fun i quite enjoyed it so anyway evil laughs this is you made me think about that when you nice Anyway, everybody, on that note, Love and the Spectrum. It's on Netflix right now. If you haven't seen it, watch it. There's two Australian seasons, I believe, and then there's the two American seasons. It's, it's by an Australian documentarian. Oh, okay. And then I guess Netflix loved it and said, but we'd really love it if you had Americans in it. Because you know what? Americans won't watch anything that doesn't have Americans in it. No, they don't understand Aussie rules love. <laughs> they don't understand. No one understands Aussie rules love. Yeah. There are no rules to Aussie rules. No, too much touching. You're like, what's, what? What? I thought. Again. What? Yeah. We? Yeah. He had her pinned down and she got up and ran away. It doesn't oh, make any Jesus sense. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, well. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but okay. Sorry, everyone. That before, sounded bad. Before you go I, on your date, you got to uh, shake your shoes out. Make sure there's no spiders. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for covering up my gaff. Anyway, let's leave it at that, everyone. We'll leave it on a happy note. Woo! Bye. Bye.